0: Warning, this audio may contain inappropriate material that may conflict the fash family values of the guild. Proceed with extreme caution and report directly to a guild office upon completion for re-education. You're in for a treat, for fans. It's time for the show that's bigger than Joragumo. live for the Quarantine Zone, Season 2 of the Red Jokers, a faux show your Joker's you
1: Always like to blame things on life. Dave. Smash the
2: hetero-capitalist patriarchy.
0: And special guests from the Critical Twit podcast, Joe.
3: Some kind of literary ability. And Brian. It's actually a fairly sinister,
0: horrible thing. Get on with the foe! Hello
1: there, homies. Welcome to Red Jokers and... The Critical Twits. Holy crap, we've got guests. Uh, a couple of homies from over the ditch. I've been in touch with uh, Brian and Joe from the Critical Twits podcast, which you may or may not have heard of. Let's uh, let's introduce ourselves. Uh, so on this special podcast, we've got myself, Hugh. We've got... Dave. Good old Dave. Dave. Should have done an order beforehand, shouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, probably.
3: Uh, who, who have we got over there?
4: Hello, um... I'm Brian from the Critical Twits.
3: And I'm Joe.
1: And you guys do a podcast which involves a little bit of Malifaux as well, I gather.
3: Yeah, we, we Malifaux as often as you do, but we do other stuff as well.
4: Yeah, so we um, we do a Malifaux podcast every month, but we also do a podcast each month on tabletop board gaming, tabletop RPGs, and
1: Netrunner. Oh, awesome. Yeah, well... I've enjoyed your podcast over the time I've been listening to it, which is why I got in touch with you and thought, why don't you come and, you know, we'll do a bit of a special ep, bit of a collab, have a bit of fun. So um, I want to talk Malifaux today, of course, but uh, I want to hear a bit more about what you guys are up to as well. So where, where are you at? Where do you live?
4: So we're based in Peterborough in the UK, which is a strange little city in the middle of not a lot. About sixty miles north of London, and we are our local Malifaux scene. Joe, do we know many (laughs) other people that play?
3: Just the two of us. Um... Yes,
4: yeah, just the two of
3: us. Um, A very
4: complicated meta game going
1: on.
3: (laughs) Now we've got we've got about six people, seven now, I think. Yes, yeah.
1: Oh oh yeah, so it's a fairly small little meta over there. But do you guys ever go down to London? Because what, sixty miles? That's only an hour's drive or something, right?
4: In the UK, that's miles and miles away. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly.
3: (laughs) It's a lot of effort for us. Um, So we haven't yet, but I think that might be a confidence thing as well. Yeah, once you have a few games under your belt, you
1: want to head down. So you haven't been playing long, I'm guessing. How long have you been uh, doubling in the fur?
4: So we've been playing about a year, no, two years now. I don't know what, what month it is. Uh, yeah, about two years. Um, we've been sort of podcasting about Malifaux for the last year, so that's made us play a lot more and helped us with our confidence. We sort of started with a, a new player's perspective on the game, although I think we're we're moving beyond that now into maybe some more complicated territory.
1: Yeah, awesome. Well, Dave and I have only been doing it for a similar amount of time, a bit less in, even, Dave. How how long have we been doing it for, man? Um, about, gosh, a year and a half, maybe? Year and a half, yeah, sounds about right, but we did go in pretty hard. I mean, we've we've been to how many tournaments in that time? Probably like six or eight? Yeah, about that. And, uh, you know, just doubled pretty hard into it, because we used to be um, Warhammer players, primarily, although we've always dabbled in a bit of this and a bit of that, and if anything, the old death of Warhammer has um, given us a lot of fun things to do in a way like we've it's we've opened our minds to all the fun that can be had out there with all your uh, podcasting and your uh board board gaming and your card flipping and you name it so we're getting right into we've probably got a similar kind of game schedule to you guys actually you guys do a bit of rpg in as well
4: yeah i try to push you guys beyond the um, let's play dnd for 14 years from level zero to level 20 Uh, let's play something weird i found on the internet um and jamie who's uh not not here with us but another member of our podcast is really into some really odd little one-shot games like really experimental stuff so yeah we kind of kind of role play a bit of everything we did play through the breach not too long ago yeah we played a couple one shots of that um and it's quite fun i quite like it it's quite different to other other role play games um, we just need to find the time to have a proper swing at i think
1: joe you you get into a bit of um role playing as well i understand is that true yeah
3: we um we have a our local group, which is actually pretty much our entire Malafo scene um every friday meet up and and play a couple uh, well say a couple um a, a role playing game of some description usually unless people are dying, then we might substitute in a board game for the evening um, and we've we 've done a bit of everything. As far as systems go, we started with D&D, as pretty much everyone does, 3.5, and then we've moved on to other things since then.
1: That could be an interesting one to try out. I mean, I've only just started role-playing myself. Um, For those listeners, in the event that uh, this gets shot out as part of a Critical Quits episode or something like that, I suppose Dave and I should introduce ourselves a bit as well. Um, I've I've been uh, Wargaming away for about 15... 18, how old am I now? It must be 18 years, I'm 30 now. So I've been um, caning away at it for quite a bit and uh, always been a bit of a geek that loves anything on a tabletop, basically. A social turn-based game, and I'm into it. Almost doesn't matter what it is. But uh, Warhammer Fantasy was the game I played the most and I played a bit of 40k back in the day as all trolls do at some point or other. And uh, I've progressed to Malifaux more recently. And, uh, yeah, expand it out to other things. And I've only played my first ever role-playing game within the last month or so. I've started d I've dipped a toe in. I've always thought it was a bit much, but haven't actually played it now a couple of times. I love it. It's so good. I'm really enjoying it. It's been pretty fun so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Dave's playing as well, but you've, been, you've role-played a bit, Dave. Tell us a bit about what you do.
2: Um, so, I did a fair bit of it when I was back in high school, just mostly to 3.5 edition stuff. Um and then I've been doing this short campaign with Nick and a couple of people from Star Wars, uh from the Fantasy Flight collection. Uh and then and then just obviously the current one with, with Hugh and a few of the other uh Wednesday night gaming gaming guys doing D and D uh five five uh fifth edition which has been pretty pretty damn good actually. A lot easier than the old three point five was.
1: Yeah, right, awesome. Have you guys played Fifth Ed much, um Brian and Joe? We've not. I've got it on my shelf.
4: <laughs> and have since it first came out. And I played one game online that then died. Highly. Oh,
1: right. Okay. I imagine that must happen a fair bit with RPG circles. They fizzle a bit. It's easy if you don't have the commitment from everybody.
4: Yeah. It's not the same as just sort of getting together as and when and playing a couple of games Malifo. It's It's a standard commitment. Everyone needs to turn up. Um, and as, yeah, it's got to be ongoing. Yeah, as yeah. we get older and life gets more complicated, it gets harder and harder to um, to get that kind of campaign feel going.
1: Very true, very true. And I respect that you guys manage to meet up every week. That must... Um, that would be hard for us. We meet most weeks for board games and stuff and all games of Malifaux and what have you. But uh, it's harder with RPGs, as you say, because you need everyone there at the same time and what have you. So... Um, we're doing that monthly, and that seems to be working. But it is a bit easy to sort of forget what's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, when you wait as long as a month between sessions.
4: I thought we could prove our credentials um, as war gamers to those who who don't know who we are and what we do.
1: Yes, mm. of course. Yeah. Tell us about your war gaming. Absolutely. Um, You've got to so... you have won at least five tournaments, or else we won't we won't listen to what you got to say, right? Uh, between <laughs> us. <We> could... <laughs>
5: I don't think. Joe, have you won
3: many tournaments? <laughs> I, I probably. That's
1: right.
5: Um, Dave, Dave like can little, lend you five. of like my local beers. store ones. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it must
3: be. Back, back in the day, probably. I had that Dark Eldar army that was never beaten. Awesome.
4: Yeah, that, that Dark, Dark, Dark Eldar <laughs> army, when I played it with my Tyranids, you decided to put the entire thing into skimmers <laughs> that I could only hit on a six. And could fly out of combat, and I had no
1: guns. Sounds like 40k to me. Shot you with splinter pistols from yeah, my witches. Yeah, yeah. it's brilliant.
3: That was the worst. Well, they're probably, they're probably still
1: using break. the same Dark Eldar codex now. I understand, so you
3: could probably get <laughs> right back in. <into> <laughs> 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 if they were, I, no. To be fair, I, in the end, I got rid of that army because uh, no one in the shop would play it anymore. Um, <laughs> so I sold it to someone else, and then they just got battered repeatedly. I think. Yeah, fair enough. But it was um, yeah. I mean, I've I've I used to play a lot of forty K personally, and then moved over to War Machine. Did win a War Machine tournament? Cool. Uh, at some point. That was, that was quite good, after having not played for like six months. War Machine's kind of like the and...
1: red-headed stepchild in this kind of area, wouldn't you say, Dave? Yeah,
2: for sure. I mean, there's definitely people that play it, but I think they're kind of a strange variety of half-breeds that we keep locking and
3: clocks and <laughs> <like>. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're an interesting I, See, I, lo- I love War Machine, I, I, um, but it's not as good as Malifaux. Ah, good to hear. Good to and that is my problem. And to be honest, I think that's the problem with any miniature game I ever look at again. I have that's I have
1: exactly the same issue. I've been playing a bit of Kings of War recently, and that's actually a great game. Um, very, uh, very tight rule set and stuff, but uh, it sort of lacks the sort of flavour and the bait and switch and stuff that Malifaux has. And painting a whole army is just such a huge pain. <laughs> I've, I've got about twenty models sitting in front of me today, and I spent uh, probably four hours today doing a single highlight step and I feel like jumping off the mirror. I
4: just died inside for you there.
1: You know what it's like? I haven't painted an army in a while and it's hateful stuff. Painting armies sucks. Painting crews is great. I'm just past the armies. It's too much work at this point in my life. I'm old and bitter. This is coming from someone who's churned out more armies than most people have had hot dinners. Well, I've I've just been selling a bunch of armies of my like
2: eight fully painted like three thousand plus point, Warhammer fantasy armies, selling them all off. It's it's not been a very enjoyable process, to be honest. No,
1: it's like like selling off your your children to pay the rent.
2: Your children that you don't like that much anymore, and you're trying to. Buy them.
1: <laughs> yeah, is that a typical
3: Australian Wish, thing? You hadn't <laughs>
2: it's
3: not something we do over here. Oh really? Oh okay. Selling children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's oh, it's a kind right. of the thing. future, obviously.
4: I uh, I sold all my wargaming children because um, i i started 22 years now I've just realized how old i am uh with second edition <laughs> warhammer 40k and progressed through playing pretty much everything games workshop did when i was 18 i went to work for games workshop uh and became a store manager and then when i left i sold everything and i don't think i've played a games workshop game since
1: Smart move. That sounds like a <laughs> sounds like a pretty typical hardcore development. So what made the two of you guys um, decide that Malifaux is your jam? What drew you to
3: Malifaux? I looked into Malifaux before any of us around here did. And got really excited and read all the PDF things they were putting out when they were being consistent and doing it really well in um, version 1. Right. And then... PDF stopped coming out and they were really sporadic, and there wasn't any talk about the game. So I went, well, I'm not playing something that's not supported and ignored it. Um, and then I can't remember who was it who I think that was
4: when they were changing um editions, wasn't it? And things went a little bit wibbly,
3: yeah, possibly. Um, but I didn't yeah. see any note of new editions coming up in the bits <laughs> I was reading and stuff. So I, I just kind of felt that it might be an unsupported game and that that's that's not really what I want. Um so I ignored it then because um, the models were only okay back in the, the metal days. Yes. And then I can't remember who brought it up. It was me. For us. Yeah. And I went, oh, I looked at that before.
4: Yeah, I kind of got but I hadn't, wasn't really playing any kind of miniatures game at that point, mostly focusing on the, the role play and the board games. Um, and kind of missed it, and started looking around, and was adamant I wasn't going to get back into anything games workshop based uh, for various reasons. And saw the models, and the plastic models were just so so beautiful that I, I I immediately wanted to buy them all and rub them on my face.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. The new plastics in um, M2E, I found them pretty sexy. And I mean, it must it, it's it's a pretty good entrance drug for the older uh, tabletop miniatures kind of. Game, I suppose because you know you only need a crew box right just
5: one yeah because I mean you
1: you guys probably only just bought one crew box right I'm sure you didn't get sucked into the temptation of buying every model in the entire faction <laughs>
4: N- not not just start with
1: <laughs> <laughs> everyone does though doesn't it it's it's the it's the yeah. age old mallhofer lie all you need is a crew box man like it's just a few models <laughs> you'll be good see i have been yeah. sensible and stuck to a single uh, faction
4: boring the word is boring joe unambitious well, even
1: in a single faction there's a lot of models to buy
4: oh yeah, yeah it makes things easier for you what though.
1: faction do you guys play most listen- any listeners of ours will know that i'm an outcast player and dave is some hybrid horrific mix between Guild, Neverborn, and now Reza. The best one. So um, we, we've got a good mix. Yeah, he just plays whatever's OP at the time.
3: I play Arcanists, um, just because they looked cool, and someone else had said they wanted to play Neverborn. So I was like, yeah, cool, I'll, I'll play the Wizards. Um, yes, and, and I've, then
4: Brian, you've got... I've got uh, lots of Neverborn, uh, lots of Guild, uh, lots of Outcasts.
1: All oh, right, got a and bit of probably everything. Probably
4: build some ten thunders with cross faction models and similar, and yeah, that's how they get you. Because these models, these masters you can use in different factions, um, and can recruit from various places. Then very subtly encourage you to start spreading your wings. Because uh, I was just going to focus on um, on the Neverborn, and then got massively, massively sidetracked.
1: It's always the way, isn't it? They'll give you a master that can take a few models from another faction. Like, oh, you can take all the beasts or something. And then you're like, well, I've already got a few models <laughs> in that one, so I might as well buy this. And next minute, yeah, it's a gateway drug. Who,
5: who
3: was everyone's first master?
1: Ah, good question. I went with oh, the Victorias. Dave, Dave's died. Dave's gone. Hopefully, he'll drop back into the call in a tick. We'll just keep keep going, and if he doesn't, we'll yeah, no really introduce him. Yeah, no, I, um, I started with the Victorias. I, I thought seriously about. Quite a lot of others, and ended up going with them just because I liked the models. Uh, it was really the only reason at the time. What about? Yeah, they
4: were my first Outcast purchase because oh, yeah? the
1: models again are so so pretty. That's right. Sexy Except punk chicks models. can't go wrong.
4: Yes, yeah. I won't. I won't sound like it. I used to. I used to like sort of punk things when I was younger. I'm old now, and it's all be old, all past me. And I have to be serious and have a proper job. But. Uh, Yes, I, I relived my youth with their, their punky stylings.
3: <laughs> Who was your first actual master box, though? Um, Pandora. <laughs> oh, my God. I couldn't think of a worse yeah. master to yeah, start out th- with. that... That was it. You you picked Pandora and I went, "Oh, that's that's what I was going to pick." Oh, I really it, and it sounded fun. Oh, she's Yeah, I she's so I love jumping in a deep end.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I didn't have a clue on how to play the game. I just thought, "I'll buy I'll buy two boxes um, so that I can then force my friends to play a game with me without them needing to buy anything." Uh, so I bought Pandora um, and then I bought Sonya um, simply because I found a really cheap Sonya box, I had no intention of expanding the guild, uh, but I went for Pandora because there's a baby with a carving knife um, in the box.
1: Anyway, Pandora first master madness, some beautiful models, but holy crap, so complicated! <laughs> Did you not head yeah, not explode? <laughs> go, like, how does anyone play this game? Like <laughs> trying to move yeah, those we... models around.
4: When I was trying to convince my friends to to, to play me, um, I, I very quickly learned that. I shouldn't give them Pandora to play um, <laughs> yeah. as their first ever taste of Malifaux because their eyes would roll back in the head and they'd just
1: collapse um, mm-hmm. on the floor. Not surprised, not surprised. Uh, Joe, You, uh, who did you start off with,
3: mate? I, I first bought, like I said, I was looking at Pandora um, because she was the one I was going to go for in Mark 1 because she looked quite cool uh, before I decided it probably wasn't worth it. I then, Brian was like, I've got this, and I was like, okay, well I won't play Neverborn. Um, So I started with Marcus, because he looked quite fun, and I thought, if I'm not going to get into this massively and I'm just going to have one master, I'll pick one that means I can just buy loads of stuff and have a massive variety, because he's got such a big hiring pool.
1: A good idea, yeah. Marcus is a great one to start with, I reckon, because you can play him so in such a straightforward way and he's really effective, or you can really take him in a different direction. He's
3: got a lot of flexibility as well. Good scope. Yeah, so he seemed like a good choice. Um, I quite quickly bought Ramos afterwards because he seemed like a good second Arcanist Master. Sure. Um, although I've only recently got round to playing Ramos. Marcus is definitely the one I've played the most with.
4: Yeah, I preferred it when you played Marcus more.
3: <laughs> My one loss, though. Let me guess. Joss is loss, causing you yeah. a bit of grief? I love Joss.
2: No one who plays against him does.
3: Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah, that's... yeah I love Joss. The rest of the group hate him.
1: Yep, that sounds exactly the same as us, pretty much. Nick loves Joss, and everyone else hates Joss. It is what it is. Yes. Yeah,
4: a couple months ago, we played. Um, I, I played Pandora again, having finally worked out how she works, and I set two teddies on him, and, and they both died.
1: Funny that. <laughs> so you're doing it wrong. You've got to just give him some. you got to give him some sweets and paralyze him or something. That's the way to do it, with Joss. Just get him to go chill with candy for a bit.
4: Yeah, I just thought I could try to out brute force him and uh, fail.
1: No. Movie. Yeah, that's uh, I've thought the same many times. That's usually my approach with the outcasts, and doesn't always go that well. Although Victoria of Blood tends to like um, having a word with him.
2: Yeah, wouldn't mind it.
1: She's that's about, a good idea. she's about the only one, just because she ignores his armor and he's hard to kill. She just does not give a crap. Provided you give her the upgrade, that might as well be stapled to the card, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and Big Daddy Dave, what did you start off with, homie? With Sonya. Um, just
2: sitting on the back and
1: blasting things from a long distance. I haven't played your Sonya in a long time, actually. I kind of backed off her, because was it was making me a bit
2: complacent. You know, just doing the same thing every time, so I decided to sort of go to some greener pastures instead.
1: Oh, makes sense, makes sense. Have you guys ever played um, Wither against Sonya and your guild doubles?
4: yeah Sonia was my my second uh, second box um the one that I'd let other people play with because she's fairly straightforward sure uh and easy to use uh but i I then had a few goes with her myself, and she was what i I actually used most to start learning the game uh so I have a big soft spot for uh for sonia
1: are you a fan of big nasty artillery in
3: other games like dave or used you, you, sp- you used to play dwarfs and sit there. Guess ranging and murdering stuff. I had an empire army. Oh, it was empire, wasn't it? Like
4: dwarves, uh, but taller.
3: Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Wearing I pyjamas. Yeah, I,
4: I had loads and loads of cannons and mortars and um, a huge giant gun line. I generally tend to go for the models I like the look of. Actually, sort of bend and adapt my my style to fit.
3: I suppose actually that's that's quite a good like difference between us as as gamers. You. Play play the game because you enjoy the game, but buy the models you like. Yes, Because so I kind of look of what's effective and or easy to paint. Um, yep.
1: that's me, Joe. I'm I'm with you on that one, baby. Oh, uh, especially mate, the I, easy I... to paint bit. <laughs> that's why I like. that's part of the reason I like the Marcus choice. I can dry brush the shit out of that. Happy days.
3: Well, I've I've um, upset any of the proper painters in our group because I use the army painter shading the dips stuff. Yes, um, which which makes it look like I can actually paint. So I've been I very much enjoy that stuff.
1: Yeah, that that is very good stuff indeed. In fact, I've got um, about I don't know a medium-sized army of Skaven that my homies trying to talk me into getting organised for a Kings of War doubles tournament. And uh, you bet you bet your life I'm going to dip the hell out of those guys. They're already yeah. painted like with a spoon off eBay. That kind of manoeuvre. Yeah. So I'm thinking um, <laughs> dip and whack them on a base and see how they travel. That dip is the stuff of champions.
3: Finally, people that agree with me and don't just say I'm cheating. You had to travel
4: halfway across the
3: world, though.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it doesn't matter, Brian. People in the future approve of my choices.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've got less time in the future, so we've got to just get shit done.
3: This is it. Like, to be fair, I painted... Six spiders and three metal Garmin in a couple of hours and they don't look that bad. Mostly just dry brushing a bit of colour and then dip, but because they're mostly silver they look fine. I have, I did at one point, because I dry brush, speed paint and dip and then I'm done. And painted an entire 750 points of Space Wolves in the time it took... Our friend Chris, that we're teaching Malifaux later, to highlight one wing of his uh, <laughs> whatever ship it was that he was um, using in his Space Marines.
1: God, I so... envy you. I'm 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 Chris in that scenario. I, I paint so slowly; it's it's appalling. Uh, I wish I, I could find paint it's much quicker, qu- faster, because I don't get a very good result at the end. <laughs> <It> just takes <laughs> a long of both time to get there. Interesting stuff. Anyway, well, that's probably a good enough little maleduction, a bit of introduction into the fur uh, and um, how we all slot into this collab situation. But uh, I think we should smash out a quick break and then when we get back, we're going to talk about a couple of our favourite, favourite models. (laughs) All right, back it back with some sweet models to talk about. Um, I've picked a couple from the Outcast faction. Uh, have we all got different factions or, or not? Who have you got, Brian? Uh, I've got
4: one Outcast and one Neverborn.
1: Well, we've, we've chosen these models not, not from faction or from being the most powerful things in the world or, um, or anything like that. We've chosen them because they're our favourites, or at least they're models that we very much enjoy having on the tabletop. So um, I've picked a couple of couple of handsome men. In fact, looking at them, I realise that maybe maybe I've got a thing for uh, handsome men with no shirts on because that's who I've managed to choose. No, maybe about. It. No, maybe about it. I, it's, it's all about the sexy boys. So I've managed to pick. I'm not cam- wearing a shirt now, so. Oh, f- oh, oh shit! Put your webcam on. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, I do have a convict gunslinger as my as my first. So I have the the handsome Joaquin Phoenix, um, as Dave and I like to call him for for some reason I can't quite remember. Did he look like a hobo in one of his movies or something, Dave? Or,
2: yeah, the period with of... the beard where he looked like that guy.
1: Yeah, right on. <laughs> so um, he's a he's a dude with two sweet pistols, and he likes to shoot things. Anyone uh, come across much convict gunslinging in your in your games? I've got two. <laughs> Haven't used them.
4: I've used them a couple times. I quite like them. I just find... Because they're, they're quite... Are they seven soulstones each?
1: That's right. Seven soulstones. So I dig them okay. because... Um, mainly because of the sort of story that's developed around him rather than because he's a really good model. And that's part of what sort of can make Malifaux fun sometimes. But ever yeah. since... Uh, it was Dave that named him after the, uh, the actor keeps kicking goals. He always flips better than he should, or at least he does in my head. <laughs> and he just keeps uh, shooting Neverborn fools down good and hard.
4: Yeah, I really like the uh, the Convict Gunslinger. I really like the models. They're really, really nice. They're, as we were discussing earlier, I've not painted a lot, but they were, they were some of the models I, I opened up, I put together, I then immediately undercoated them and started painting them. Uh, models normally get consigned to my gaming case for months, uh, before they even get they even get um, a spray coat, let alone anything else.
1: Yeah, that sounds familiar.
4: Uh, but they're just so nice. They are very, very nice. And they were great fun to
1: paint. I agree. I actually really like um, my models. My gunslingers, I actually think they're one of the few models I've ever painted reasonably well. And uh, yeah, they are a cool model. But anyway, let's get into the card before we uh, before we go ahead. Should we go straight? Should we do card by card or should we announce one each or something? What do you reckon?
3: Uh, I'd announce one, talk about it, move to the next.
1: Yeah, right on. Okay, so Convict Gunslinger is a fabulous Outcast model, seven soulstones. He's a Enforcer Living Mercenary. So he's a Merc. You can hire him into other crews. I've, the only person I've ever seen hire him elsewhere is Jezza. I've seen him hire him into Ten Thunders a few times just to give him um, recall training, I think, which makes him go pretty ballistic. But he has a defense of four, willpower five, wounds eight, Walk 4, charge 6, and height 2. So, 8 wounds is one higher than his cost, which is around about average. But he's slow as tits. He makes up for it with his wicked-thick guns. Uh, Bulletproof 1, which is probably the most useless of the standard, you know, defensive maneuvers. But can come in handy. Because, you know, he's a gunfighter and stuff. He's all wild, wild west. Uh, Relentless, which is fantastic. Have you guys used a lot of Relentless models in your games yet if you've been playing a lot of outco- um, a lot of Neverborn and that kind of thing?
4: I'm normally playing the Neverborn um, so um, not not so much an
3: issue for, for me. Joe, do you have any Relentless models? Um, Relentless not so much. I've got Frozen Heart models. Oh yeah, that works. Kind of the same thing but better. I suppose you're right. Um, relentless doesn't come up. I
1: mean, not many models have it but it's surprisingly often it comes up. I actually particularly like to pick him for that reason alone against um, certain Neverborn and Reza kind of crews, especially if I know my mate's going to take a lot of terrifying guys because um, it's just really handy having someone that's reliable and doesn't need to flip cards all the time. Uh, he also has a Quick Draw, which is a defensive trigger on the masks, which is after a shoot attack fails against him, he deals the attacker two, three, four damage. With a negative flip. Um, not sure why they gave it a negative flip. I guess because he's he's meant to be aiming back, doing a bit of a matrix star thing. But you have to fail with a shoot attack, and he does have a defense four, so I find that comes up very rarely. It's more for star points than anything else. But it is pretty sweet when someone tries to shoot you and you just dodge him. And speaking of a shoot action, one attack action, Collier pistol. It's shoot six with ram. Resist defense, range 10 or 2 melee. So he's one of those rare but sexy shooting models that can shoot and attack in combat at the same time.
4: I, I love those models.
1: Yeah, how the good image it?
4: that he creates in my head is great.
1: That's right. He just, you can just see him dodging back and forth and blaming away with his pistols. Uh, he does 2, 3, 4 damage, um, and it gains a positive all the time. So when I first read him, just that off the back, you know, being very new to Malifaux, I thought, oh yeah, shoot six, um, and I'm just just looking at damage tracks, going, yeah, two, three, four. That's pretty terrible for a seven Soulstone model, um, and it is. But when you shoot six, and you've built in positive, the reliability is just a beautiful thing. It's it's all too rare that you're just missing left and right, and they say that, um, statistically speaking, a positive is worth about two on an action. I know that that's bollocks when it comes to certain circumstances where you both got a 13 or what have you. But it, it's kind of like shooting with shoot eight. Um, if you're not actually cheating any cards, you just blam it away. You're very, very, very likely to hit. Um, he's also got trigger happy on a trigger, which is a mask trigger. And it's one of those weird ones that has a, it's a ram and a mask, but he has the ram built in. So, you know, except in extremely rare circumstances. It's basically just a mask. Uh, after damaging, have a shot again. That's what it's all about. Just boom, boom, boom. You can shoot as many times as you can. Um, and then aim low. After damaging, the target gains slow, which is sort of more an added bonus than anything else. What are your thoughts on that shoot attack, Dave?
2: Oh, he's the best, mate. in he, so many games to play against you, and he just does my, does my little head in, comes in, all guns blazing, and takes out half your crew.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's shooty as hell. It is good fun when you get so many shots off in a row. I mean, obviously, your maximum seems like four, but then, of course, his only tactical action is rapid fire. So 2 AP, discard a card, shoot three times. So you can shoot a maximum of six times because the trigger happy that gives you an extra shot, you can't declare triggers after doing it. So basically, if you get your free shot and you manage to pull it off all three times, you're shooting six times. It doesn't happen often, but actually rare that you shoot with him, even without rapid fire, that you don't get at least... You know, three or four shots, um, which is pretty damn nice. But he's got one major downside, and that's range ten. Range ten, I find all too often when you got walked four and range ten, it's really difficult to get someone in that sweet spot. Have you? So you haven't brought him out much, bro? Uh,
4: no, but you're, you're convincing me that maybe I should give him another try uh, and fish him out maybe today uh, when we play later. Stop so, helping him.
1: <laughs> I
4: need help.
1: He's particularly good um, in, he's really good in henchman hardcore, actually, Um, (laughs) because stone for stone at around seven stones, even though he doesn't have a lot defensively, you'll find that he's just so reliable and he gets so many shots and his damage is so consistent. Um, And the fact that you charge him in combat and quite often he'll survive and then, you know, rapid fire you in the face. Um, It's amazing how, how reliable he is around that, that kind of smaller stone kind of game. But if you can get pushes or pulls, or fast, i.e. Tara or um, Jackdaw or something like that, and you can push and pull him around and give him a bit of extra speed so that you can make up, mitigate that sort of slow walk speed, then he really comes into his own.
4: Sold. I'll take it today. That's my thoughts. We'll be playing some Hedgeham Hardcore later, so...
1: So let's, um, let's knock it over to um, the Mighty UK, and one of you boys want to flop out a card? Go on, Joe. Pick something horrible
3: to make me sad with. Okay, well... One of my favourite models to use, and actually, I've, I've kind of just picked the Arcanist version of the Gunslinger, because looking, kind of going, oh, they, the damage track's similar, and I, I really like Oxfordian mages. Oh, yeah. Nick's, Absolutely love
1: him. Nick's pretty hard for Oxfordian mages lately.
2: He's been a total terror with them. He's been taking them basically all his crews. I'm not really quite sure how
3: to deal with them, to be honest. I've played them a fair amount of time because they've had a new upgrade recently, which is mad because it makes them cheaper.
1: It means you'll Would just you just better seem... take you. You'll take three or zero, right? Pretty much.
3: Yeah, pretty, well, because you. Uh, I don't know, mate.
2: I've, Nick's been messing around with Sandeep with one of them.
3: Oh yeah, okay, fair pretty, enough. Pretty good.
1: One seems sensible. You're certainly never going to take two because at that point you're like, well. You know, I'm paying... Three for an loans. extra one. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's third right. one's
3: half price. Second,
1: and all right. they will benefit one another. I feel like you used to be able to take two pretty pretty reliably, but now that they've given them that discount, yeah, it's hard to go past. But they just yeah, have absolutely. so many rules.
3: They they do. Uh, Arcane Shield is wonderful. Uh, they have student loans uh, from the front of the card. So, it gains a plus to willpower jewels while within line of sight of a friendly MNSU, Master or Henchman. Uh, they gain a plus ca- uh, tome to any of their cast actions for each other academic model within three, up to two tomes. And Arcane Shield, which if the model hasn't activated yet, reduces damage by one to a minimum of zero, which is quite rare in Malifaux. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, like a like a Defensive buff which can completely neutralise damage.
2: Yes. The um the shoot the shooting one does that as well, right, mate? The uh, um gunslinger thing
3: Reduce it to one.
2: Oh, minimum it, of it's one. Bulletproof is, is to minimum of one, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bulletproof is just um, armour, but only from shoot actions. So it's not. Even you can that. stack bulletproof. You can stack armour as well.
3: Yes, you can't stack arcane shields. Oh, yes, I'm with you now. Yep, okay, yeah, Hi. good point. Good point. Um, so if you've got other things in your crew that will allow you to increase your bulletproof, then the convict gunslinger can get better against shooting attacks rather than uh, the mage that can't. But I can use it against melee, so that's pretty cool. Um, their attack actions, uh, they've got the elemental bolt, range 10. So, again, very similar to the Gunslinger. Uh, with a 2-3-4 damage track. Again, very similar. Uh, cast 6 rather than shoot 6. Yep. And there are four triggers for Elemental Bolt, each of which requires a single tome. So if it's near another mage, you're guaranteed to hit them. So you've got Blaze, Freezing Wind, Electrocute, and Wind Blast. So, hit it, uh, after damaging, you can give them Burning, Slow... You can ignore armour, or you can push the target up to two inches for each tome in the duel total. Windblast is probably my favourite, because it allows you to do those pushes. If you've got three mages and they're all next to each other, every time you, you damage someone, you can push them four, which is just fantastic. Well, it's every tome in
1: the... yeah, they add one each, don't they? Yeah, so it must be... They add
3: one each up to two... So right. if you've got, so you're guaranteed to get four inches. But if you flipped a tome as well, you could get six.
1: Six, yeah, nasty. Have you ever played? Um, have you ever played them with Ironsides before, Joe?
3: Yes, I I really like Ironsides as an idea.
5: Yeah. Um, <laughs> the fact that Not she she's got as... a
1: lure on her as well. So with she three does, majors yeah. and a lure on her, you can suck them into her pretty reliably. She suddenly becomes like plays a bit like Seamus at that point, actually. Yeah, yeah. With all the Um, all the luring and stuff.
3: Yeah, I think she just dies a little bit easier than Sheamus, which is a shame. Yeah, not Uh, anymore. Not anymore. (laughs) So they've also got another attack action, which is a zero attack action, um, which is a cast six range one melee attack. Uh, Target suffers one two three damage. And again, it has three triggers this time, all based on tomes. For a single tome, you can, after damaging an enemy, add a soul stone to this crew's pool. For two tomes, you can increase the damage track to 245. And for three tomes, after damaging, the target is killed unless it discards two soul stones or two cards.
1: Oh, I've never seen that one before. They've got a kill trigger. It, it...
3: They've got a kill trigger on their melee attack, yeah.
2: Nick Nick did it, did it to Pandora this week against Owl at House of War. Oh, really? The Touch of Death? <laughs> yeah, didn't have the cards or stones and just, boom,
1: take it off.
3: Kiss of the Dragon. That's amazing. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, and then they also have Furious Casting, which is their version of Rapid Fire, uh, so you can discard a card and you can make three cast actions. Oh, yeah. Actually, you're right.
1: That it, it, They are, in many ways, similar to a combat Gunslinger. They've got that That same kind of thing. Similar kind of stat. The Arcanist flavoured one. How many wounds have they got? Uh, They only have
3: five wounds.
1: Right. So they really rely on that shielding quite strongly.
3: Yeah, they are quite fragile. Um, But defence five, right? Yeah, defence five. And um, most of the other stats are very similar, actually. Uh, Plus one willpower, same walk, same charge, same height. Pretty
1: freaking good model for five stones from where I'm standing. I mean, for six, I think they're still very decent for five. Yes, they're, they're decent for damage.
3: six. They're amazing for five if you're taking three.
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm saying, I'm arguing that the convict gunslinger is not bad for seven. So, yeah. um, you know, it's quite a bit more. But of course, you know, it's different, different strokes for different folks. As much as it sounds very similar, the slinger is a lot more reliable with his damage because he's got those positives to hit. And, oh, definitely. Um, the extra few wounds does actually make a Pretty big difference, plus he, he's got a new upgrade which you'll put on him all the time. Academics get even more mental when you get all the different upgrades you can put on them these days as well, don't they? Because they've got zeros and what have you out the wazoo.
3: Yeah, there's, there's quite a lot that's come out now. Sandeep's obviously given them a massive boost as well, who's probably where I'm looking at going next for casters. Yeah, he does sound um, really decent. Yeah. So yeah, that, I mean, that, that's the major. I've used them because uh, they come in the Ironside's box, I believe. Um, and to be honest, they are some of my favourite models. Yeah, I
1: was looking I forward to just... get into that. The models are fantastic. I love just that. Their...
3: Yeah, they're, they're dynamic. They they each look
1: very individual, which is nice. How do you guys feel um, about? Um, uh, I don't know what to call them. I guess like magic effects, you know, action those sort of things that you have like fireballs on the base and that kind of thing. Yeah,
4: uh, The wibbly wobbly swirly stuff. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, some people
2: doesn't look
4: good.
1: You either love it or you hate it. Like Dave's not into it. I I like it. I think it's fun. I think it looks great on them and on the um the Gremlin Magic dudes. The little uh, the fire zapping friends looks good on them too.
3: I think if it's done well, it's awesome. It's just not done well most of the time. Um, not not in general a, a of, around Minja games. Uh, I wouldn't say that's necessarily true in Malifaux because nearly everything they make is beautiful. Um, but my favorite one is the one that 's flicking up a big wave of stuff,
1: yeah, he looks pretty cool stuff
3: um yeah like i i 'm not sure if it's meant to be fire it 's purple on the card um but yeah that 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 pose okay i I really like so
1: yeah, he looks a bit dr doom, I like the guy with the uh with the glowing hands as well that looks like he 's gonna yeah just give you a bit getting of a his death fighter. touch ready. Yeah, he's just activated his ultra or something. He's going all going right <laughs> in on you. Good times. And then you've got the one that's just floating there. Yep, just chilling out. Zen on his yes little cape. Well, um, what did you bring for us, Dave? Who's, who's better than the Oxfordian Mage? The Double bear. Uh Probably right, <laughs> actually. Like, if there's going to be a model that's better, that might be it.
2: So, the, the, I chose Double and not just because it is the absolute absolute shit on the table, but because the model is so profoundly creepy to look at. Her skin sloughing off her back, and she's wrapping it around herself like a cloak. It's just, it's kind of A-grade horror stuff. Really pretty into it. Yeah, right it's on. It's
3: one of the few models that I got really excited about from first edition. Because even the metal one is a really nice model.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's really solid. Now, in terms of actual game stuff, she's got a couple of great things going for her. She's manipulative fourteen, so that you have to um, pass a pretty good willpower check to target her with it, attacks and things. She's got don't mind me, so she can interact even when she's engaged. Um, but the most important thing that she does is on the back of, back of her card, which is she steals your attacks, and she can. Um, Blend to look like to, to use a, an attack action of another model within, I think, eight inches, and if you flip a cheeky tome for that, you get to take a free activation. So she's as good as the best model on the table, as far as I'm concerned.
4: Yeah, I love that ability on the the doppelganger because if your your opponent's got a, a really really good attack, they're probably going to be using it twice, um, unless it's on a master, and you can in theory use it three times back at them. Kind of yeah. rub salt into that wound of stealing their abilities. Yeah,
1: yeah and right. w- is it attack action con- only, mate, or tactical action? Uh, or just, let just me check. Attack. I
2: think it was attack action. Um, no, it's just an action, so it could be in, in, a other one as well. Oh, also, I forgot the most the most powerful one, which is ill omens. Um, she can cheat the initiative flip.
1: Yeah, that's what the internet will tell you is the the best thing about it.
5: It's the it's reason I hate
4: before. her. <laughs> it's the reason I take her every time you go to Joe
1: Does seem like a pain. Were you did, were you uh, scrambling for another card to find, Brian, after uh, David? Oh, I've, I've, I've got
4: a backup. I'm good. I'm good.
1: <laughs> you actually did have her on there. <laughs> yeah, of course yes, you did, yeah. playing, playing Neverborn. <laughs> but yeah,
2: she's she's got to be the number one for me. I mean, I actually don't think I've ever taken a game without her with Neverborn. Um, if that doesn't tell you something, I don't know it does.
1: Yeah, fair enough, man. Fair enough. She's the uh, Johan of Neverborn, although I didn't, I didn't bring him along, but he just goes without saying. But yeah, I mean, she's she's incredible, and that that cheating the initiative flip just really allows you to become a complacent jerk um, in the uh, and just not care. Do things like send Nakima in on the last activation of a turn, and then just know that you're going to get the initiative next time to go in again. Almost no. You never know when your opponent's going to flip a red joker for initiative or something. But
3: do you hear that, Brian? Complacent jerk.
1: (laughs) You can be that. Yeah, I'm happy with that. (laughs) That makes a change. It's not me, I suppose. What's an anti-doppelganger tactic you can share with me then, Joe, for next time Dave busts that out against me?
3: Oh God. Um, I to be honest, if I if I see you want to go the other side of the table, it's either going to be moving forward and doing something horrible, using its abilities, at which point you can probably try and kill it. Um, because once manipulative goes, it's not the hardest thing in the game. Like, it's defense 5, wounds 8, but you you can hit it. Uh, the rest of the time I kind of go, cool, I'm not getting the first action, so I just plan for that. If I yeah. plan to be going second, then... I find I'm trying to, I'm minimising the impact the has.
1: Then you're almost happy when they cheat the initiative because they've burned a card and you were expecting that anyway, so.
3: Yeah, that's it. So it's rather than this is how you beat it, I kind of go, well, if I just accept it's going to happen and plan accordingly, then at least it shouldn't upset my plans too much. Yeah,
1: makes sense, makes sense. Dave, uh, a hot tip uh, for you maybe, Brian. Have you got any, Dave, have you got any hot tips on any sneaky ways of using it?
2: Um, I, my favourite is, is with Mr. Graves and just having that double mobility in, you, in your crew. It's kind, kind of becomes a standard of basically all the things I take. Um, just having twice the ability to move something around really means you can get what you need where you need it.
1: Yeah, because you just show me the door to give it what is an eight-inch push, is it? And then she can copy it.
2: I think it's six, but yeah, yeah, six, and then five, yeah. she does it as well. Pretty far,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 Certainly seems far when Lulith is all of a sudden twelve inches further out the board.
2: Yeah, and is getting you turn one.
1: Yep, pretty terrifying. So you're writing that one down, Brian? Ah, uh,
4: yeah, definitely. Um, I've uh, I actually found. Um, some use for one of her her other abilities, which is um, being able to take. Where is it? What's it called? Yeah. Ah, don't mind me. That's what it's called. Uh, this model may take interact actions while engaged, hmm. um, which I made quite a lot of use of against you last time I played you, Joe, um, in your infamous first defeat at, of uh, Malafo. Yeah. Um, kind of the threat of her. Um, so getting her sort of stuck in, being able to um, copy a nasty attack, but then also start dropping scheme markers around in those important sort of center of the board positions was uh, a nice little unexpected bonus. Yeah, it's frustrating. A very
1: Gaining grounds, two thousand and seventeen. I strongly believe now more than ever is it is time for don't mind me. Like uh, the amount of schemes that have scheme marker related things very close to your opponent, be yeah. It you Know there's so many like dig their graves is an obvious one, and that, that one where they all you get your opponent to drop a bunch of markers and they're meant to be difficult to pick up because they're near their models. But don't mind me, you can just swoop in there and snafu the markers. It's, it's um, there's definitely a few you know, there's the list goes on like spring the trap, the um, all the marker ones really, the normal marker ones that don't even need to be near a model. Yeah, don't mind me, it's fantastic. Right. yeah I mean,
2: it, was, it wasn't as good in the last batch but I think this time around it's become a lot more useful again
1: yeah that's exactly right I think this uh this latest scheme pool has really updated that so I think people should be getting their performers out and their doppelgangers out and um models like that and you know giving them a crack everyone had their doppelganger out already let's be honest but yeah all right
4: yeah we really we really like the Gating Grants so our last Malifaux podcast was all about the the new Gating Grants um and that happened during sort of our playtesting and playing around with those, uh, those new rules. Uh, and I really like the scheme, the scheme stuff. It's something that feels unique to Malifaux.
1: I love how much it shakes up the game. They bring out all the new schemes and stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, well, it's stop, your turn, Don't you being
4: a complacent jerk, Joe. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can't just take Nakima and Doppelganger in every game. Oh, I guess you still can. <laughs> 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 all right, what you got for us, bro?
4: Uh, we'll start out then um, with a model that I. Um, the model itself is is okay. It's it's a nice enough uh, a nice enough model, uh, but it's one I I actually like for its abilities on the uh, on the battlefield, and that is the Frycore Librarian.
1: Ah, good choice.
4: Uh, so just so I, I managed to turn the page and lose it.
3: Um, you
0: and you? your books.
4: I know she's hiding from me.
0: <laughs> Use a card
4: like a
3: proper gamer.
4: <laughs> it's very upsetting. All my cards live with my models that live, um with a friend of ours, uh, cause we always play at uh, his, uh, at his place. Cause he's got an enormous front room and enough space for three gaming tables in it. Um Malafoe sized gaming tables. So, um Yes, yeah, we to look in <laughs> tiny boxes, uh, just crying to ourselves into our tea,
3: pretending they're castles. <laughs> yeah,
4: uh, Joey's an Englishman that doesn't like tea, by the way. I am. Um, so fe- feel free
3: to mock his lack of patriotism. You're wrong,
1: and your family it. should be ashamed uh, of you.
3: You're like an Australian that doesn't like beer. I don't, I don't like beer either, or any kind of hot drinks. Or anything alcoholic that doesn't taste um, you, you a hot fruit. Drink. Have you had a beer? <laughs> no, it, I'm, not, I'm not saying that beer's a hot drink. <laughs> I'm,
4: it is in the UK. I've <laughs> heard that too. It's from the taps in the pub.
1: <laughs> Great.
4: Right, I found her now. Um, thank you for covering me while I, I floundered. Uh, it's the Fry Call Librarian. Um, she's an academic... Uh, member of the Fry Corps, so part of Von Schill's sort of thematic crew. Uh, she's a seven soulstone uh, enforcer, but she can be hired into other crews, um, for that extra soulstone if she's a mercenary. She has all the nice Fry Corps stuff.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, so the armor and the ignoring pulses, that, uh, damage from pulses and blasts, which is always useful. Um, she has nether fluctuation, so her nethers fluctuate, um, <laughs> which <laughs> well, removes nether the nether <laughs> yes, yeah, she never never she she's a very constant uh constant lady. Um and she removes the casting, shooting and melee stats from uh, um sorry, the suits associated with your casting, shooting and melee from any models within uh, enemy models within four in- uh, four inch
3: uh, aura. Interestingly, um, when we're talking about the Convict Gunslinger and you're saying, oh, well, it's got the RAM built in, so it's pretty much just a mask, this is one of the models that takes that away.
1: Except it's only casting stats, isn't it?
4: Cast and shoot? Uh, Casting, shooting, and melee.
1: Oh, my apologies. Cast, shoot, melee. Yeah, you're right. There you go. That is one of the uh, very few models that have that sort of null zone thing. So the the Gunslinger, which is probably something I'd never remember in practice, but actually that would mean (laughs) the Gunslinger can't use his trigger happy. Yeah. Interesting.
4: Yeah, it's not something that's come up with me from the librarian very often because that four inches, you probably don't want her that close to the enemy.
1: That's it. Usually, you're either dead or you're, um, you know, just furious casting them off. <laughs> one of the one of those two things is happening if you're that close.
4: Yeah, she's only defense five. She's only got six wounds. She does have armor, which makes her a little bit um, a little bit tougher. Armor one, um, but yeah, she doesn't tend to get get in, get stuck in too much because. Uh she ha can use ancient words, uh so her attack action, her soul attack action, uh which is a cast six um attack action. Uh range ten, two four five damage. So slightly more damage potentially than um the Oxfordian mages and the uh, the gunslinger.
1: Yeah, so hitting that medium damage you're very motivated to do. It's really good.
4: Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um she has a built-in tome, so she only needs one more tome to either trigger surge, so she can draw a card,
5: mm-hmm.
4: which could always be handy. Um, especially if you're um, spending cards on some of her abilities later, get to it in a second. Um, or she can give it resonance, so it becomes two, three blast, four double blast uh, instead.
1: So it reduces the damage slightly, but you get those blasts on there.
4: Yes, I'm a big fan of blasts. I don't know whether it's because I started with Sonia, uh, but I do like I do like being able to damage things without necessarily being able having to hit them.
1: I find people forget that on the librarian a lot. It's uh, a, very few people think of her as a healing model, which I know you'll get to in a second. But yeah. people just don't expect those blasts to come out. Sometimes you can really get them unawares.
4: Yeah. Now, that's got a 10-inch range, or she can use it within 1-inch in melee. So you've got melee blasts, yeah. which I always find quite interesting. Uh, she does get suckered into combat.
3: You've, you've got, got a nice, nice synergy of her and her friends with the fancy suits being immune to those blasts as well. So it becomes a yes. lot less of a scary idea.
4: Yes, True. so True. she can drop the blast over her own head or over her friendly models and not worry about damaging them which is very, very nice. Um, she can't charge, though.
1: Yes, that's a good point. And that does very occasionally come up, I find, because I use her a lot, and um, I have had situations where I've wanted to charge, maybe just to get in, you know, to do some damage, but also get into, like, um, I don't know, a turf marker or something like that, and you, you just forget yeah. that you can't charge, and you look at a card and you go, oh, shit, I guess I'm not... It's because you not
3: allowed to run in libraries. It's frowned upon. Maybe. Years of training.
4: But she's using ancient words. Surely she should be silent. She knows
3: Latin and doesn't like (laughs) (laughs)
1: Rome. She just whispers them really quietly to you. Sweet nothings.
4: Yeah. Now the other thing she can do then um, is she can furious cast. So she can discard a card to take three uh, casting attack actions. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she can use ancient words three times. And she can use that at range or in melee which is nice.
1: It is nice. People forget how much damage she can do, given that she's primarily thought of as a healer.
4: Yeah, no, I've I found her. She's um, she's very good um, range support, and quite often the enemy will try and tie her up by yeah, to stop her healing or stop her, her doing her other things and uh, throw something at her. And I don't think I've ever lost her. I don't think I've ever had her killed on the battlefield.
5: Really? Challenge accepted. Normally... <laughs>
4: <laughs> Cheers, Joe. Uh, yeah, she could normally, uh, she could normally sort of hold her own against uh, models that in theory should 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 be smashing her. Because, and this, uh, this is probably the, um, the the main ability of the librarian, is her um, tactical action, uh, 1 AP, healing energy, needs a 7, um, to, to go off, 6 inch range. Uh, and She can heal one, two, three damage. Now, if your leader isn't an outcast, she can only heal once per turn. Uh, but if your uh, leader is an outcast, then you can uh, you can heal uh, twice. And I think that's what a lot of people um, you're saying you, you you use her a lot. Is that the main thing you use her for, for healing?
1: Uh, I actually find that I I take her for the healing, and other people. Uh, I think would be in the same boat there. Is that you take her with a healing in mind, but in practice on the battlefield, I find that pro- it's almost 50-50. I'll heal some turns and I'll zap other turns. Depends if I've got a, a few mates in combat, you know, and they need a bit of heals. It, it depends what crew I'm in as well. If I'm in, if I take her with Von Schill, I find that I zap more, whereas if I take her with the Victorias, I find I heal more
4: the synergy she has with the Victorias where she heals one and they both heal uh, is lovely.
1: I like to take her with Vanessa and then I'll, I'll put them on a little flank or something. And then they're, they're really solid models in their own right. They can certainly set off any scheme runners or a lot of models of a sort of similar value, decent range damage and stuff. But then if the Victorias that are on the other side of the board or whatever, if they get in a scrap, which they inevitably will and go down really easily, then you can either heal Vanessa, which heals them, or Vanessa can heal herself, which is um it really catches people by surprise.
4: You yeah, know? I've I've tried that uh I've tried that myself, uh, with, with great success. It's uh it's great uh, great fun.
1: Yeah, you just gotta bring seven soul stones, burn them all for damage prevention, go down to one wound against the Howard or something, and then just do some straight back up again.
4: I've, uh, I've have you ever has anyone hired the Frycore librarian in elsewhere?
1: She's a mercy. I've never seen her hired out, have you?
4: I've used her in Neverborn a few times uh, because Neverborn seemed to lack uh ranged attacks and healing so it can be quite nice to uh to drop her in uh to that depends on the uh on the crew uh, and i've been doing it sort of less and less i think Neverborn's abilities are sort of expanding uh with the recent uh, recent releases but yeah i i have i have carted her across a few times into... Into my neverborn lists. Yeah, fair
1: enough. Uh, they do have extent. a lot of glass cannons in the neverborn as well, don't they? So a few, few extra heels would be pretty juicy. And it's amazing how much difference a one, two, three heel can make because it sort of seems like a, a kind of a crappy heel. It's such a small amount, but man, it makes a difference, especially if you've got a hard to kill model. Yeah, definitely. That hard to kill can be amazing. So, yeah,
4: get them down, get them down to that that one that one wound, and then pushing them back up, and then they've got to hit them at least two more times to to finish.
1: Yeah, spot on, perfect. Eight stones. I don't know. I think she's like slightly higher for that, but I can definitely see a place for a Neverborn. So that seems smart. That seems cool, actually.
3: Yeah, from an Arcanist point of view, we've got the Silent One already. Oh, yeah, she's, she's um, so great, it's not. So... Yeah, exactly. It's it's two stones to do something that I can kind of already do. Isn't isn't worth it for for an Arcanist. but definitely I, I agree for Neverborn. Would
4: you consider Joe dropping her into a Sandeep list, given that she's an academic?
5: Yes,
1: because the thing that... is, again, you've got the Oxfordian mage problem, don't you? I mean, if you've got three mages, then you, what is she, what role is she really doing for eight stones? She she must feel like she's of...
3: adding in some healing. Mage. She's she's allowing the Oxfordian mages to gain extra tomes because she's an academic, which means you could happily send two Oxfordian mages one way and her and an Oxfordian mage the other. Good point. Still guaranteeing your your uh optimum cast bonuses. Um You could run a and... creamy, all academic crew with her and yeah, Hannah yeah. as well. I I kinda like the idea of like um a university group murdering people. <laughs> but it would be an expensive drop in, I think there's probably better options. I think Hannah would fit into that crew better, actually. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah,
4: possibly a bit more variety, a bit more melee-focused.
1: I wish I'd picked Hannah now, actually. Maybe I'll... <laughs> I can't go back on my choice, I guess. <laughs> we,
4: um, we played Shifty Loyalties, and, and Hannah was my um, crew leader for that, so I do have
1: a big soft spot for uh, Likewise, well. yeah. We played that briefly, but I did start with... we found it really fizzled, because it just got too crazy. Yeah, was too much madness. It's the exact same thing. My, yeah, um... we
4: decided we were going to play ten rounds of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right.
4: because we, we got to six or seven.
1: Oh, shit, I don't but, know. Yeah, if... it become. We went to about Sorry. four, I reckon. That's all we made.
4: Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, uh, when I when I started wargaming, I I started off in the era of uh, Necromunda and then Gorkamorka, so that kind of that campaign style of skirmish game is a bit kind of
1: in my DNA, I suppose. Now, I loved Mordheim for many years. Loved Mordheim.
3: Yeah, yes. one of one of our other players really enjoys um, those style of campaign gang skirmishes. So it has it. It seemed like such a good idea, but it escalates far too quickly.
1: Yeah, it can do. I mean, it, that that was the problem with the Malfoy ones is that it just feels like it's way too unbalanced. And I mean, things like Necromunda and Mordheim are pretty unbalanced games as well. But they sort of get away with it by not being. Too crazy, and maybe they come from a less balanced base or something. But because Malifaux is so lovely and balanced normally, and you feel like you can sort of have a fun game when you I, say I, have... I
3: suppose you just don't expect balance from anything from GW, do you?
1: No, that's right. It just it's, <laughs> a sh- it's a shock when you see Howard Langston with a with a machine gun roll onto the board, or yeah, or that, um... that, I did that. That was fun. You
4: had a Did yeah Gatling got cannon
1: hour, in the first week. It feels yeah. like a common one. First yeah. week, yeah, I reckon it was. <laughs> it was probably week two or something when Joachim Phoenix, the uh, convict gunslinger, managed to find the guild artifact, like the the, the, oh. the ultimate artifact thing. Like, a, and theirs was a gun, and shit, it was ridiculous. He would sit there and and um and uh, rapid fire this guild gun and just kill like <laughs> anything <laughs> in the world. <laughs> it was... Just, Got, See, the, the combo that,
3: as a brief aside, the combo I, I, I enjoyed the most in Shifting Loyalties uh, was putting the Arcanist bounty upgrade that allows you to heal friendly constructs nearby at the end of your activation. Oh, yeah. Onto the Mech Rider. Oh. Because the <laughs> Mech Rider would push, drop out a construct that would take damage, and then it'd heal back up to full wound straight away. Oh, that sounds disgusting! You really weren't it, it, pulling your punches in this <laughs> campaign-friendly game, were you? <laughs> these people are used to to me, um. So I don't, I don't pull punches. It's also why I have probably had not lost a game because I was just being a dick. Oh uh, well, it's, it's, yeah, we play loads of games eventually. when you're
4: not around, as well, Joe. So. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's it. You get to have fun
1: without me, and then uh... have, have all these game nights where he's not. Joe's not invited, or
4: yeah, he doesn't know about them, so don't let him know. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, I guess we've come full circle and I'm, I'm going to come around again and do another quick model. I have Big Jake, another handsome shirtless man. That was just a coincidence, but it is what it is. I love this guy on a, for a few levels. Like um, Number one, just the fact that he's called Big Jake. I dig it. Although he should be height three, I think. I think that's a missed opportunity. Or height one. Either would have been fine. But... <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Like, too seems weird for a big guy. Make it accurate or a joke. None of this middle ground. <laughs> That's right. Um, but I like his style because he is uh, an American Indian character, and you just don't get that much, do you? You don't get that nearly no, enough. A, I
3: mean, we, we, we said this when we were looking at things like um, the guy with the big machine gun, the guild guy, um, and then sort of Sandeep coming out and kind of going, cool, they've got that kind of Indian yeah. theme. Going on, so and having Big Jake. Yeah, I love a I'd bit quite of like to have him and Marcus run like around things. together, just been, just
1: doing the tribal vibe. That'd yeah, be right yeah. On. And I like just. He the looks awesome. He he's he's, got, he's an Indian with a top hat. What's not to love about that? That's amazing. And he's uh, <laughs> got some sweet tomahawks, and he's not afraid to use them. I mean, what a guy. Anyway, uh, I, he just needs he, a
3: monocle, and he's there, isn't he? Yeah, that's
1: it. I mean, I just like his style. He's uh, he's a he's a, he's a he knows what he knows what he's about, but um, middling stats and on only five stones. So what do you expect? I mean, f- the five and five on the willpower and defense really isn't too shabby uh, for five stones. I reckon. Um, very average though, stat wise, like um, yeah. basically the average model across the board. But then he's got the awesome ability. I thought you were dead, which is uh, if this model is killed or sacrificed, turned five before turn five. You summon him in base contact with a friendly model after flipping for initiative on turn 5. The summoned Big Jake suffers 4 damage, does not gain slow, and may take interact actions as normal. So he he limps back out of the mist, badly wounded, like an antagonist in a horror movie.
3: We've not encountered him
1: yet. Oh, you haven't seen that?
3: Well, no, he's not been used to. I'm looking at the card now and thinking, okay, so he doesn't gain slow, that's cool. He can take interact actions as normal, which is cool. But combined with his other stuff, he's he's awesome. He's
1: legit. I mean, for five stones, uh, in Outcast especially, which kind of lack really like high quality cheap models, they don't have rotten bells or um, or necropunks or or a lot of things like that that are just, like, really high-quality, cheap models. Um, Big Jake is a legend. I mean, he's an enforcer, which is really nice as well. In the current uh, pack, you know, being able to... He can pick up points for hunting party. He can be used in that last stand scenario and a few other things, which you wouldn't expect out of such a cheap model. But, yeah, being able to come back on turn five uh, is amazing. But then what really makes it awesome is um, these next two abilities. So he's got Don't Mind Me. Uh, which I already talked about how much I love, don't mind me, under the new schemes. Um, And he's also got, I'll finish this fight. So when determining how many victory points this model's controller gains from the strategy. Now, it's important that I thought it was strategy or scheme when I first read it, because I read it too fast, I guess. But it is only the strategy. So unfortunately, you can't count it to schemes. But he counts as two models, because he's just such a big gangster. So he he can just roll back in with his top hat when everyone thought he was dead, right next to one of your cheap models or something in the last turn of the game turn 5 is usually the last turn you can limp onto the objective count as 2 models and just win the game for you I mean what's
3: what's not to love about that he's a legend yeah he's he is cool I, I expect Brian will end up picking him up
4: I'm
1: you know, tapped. J- I'm tapped already. We've already done the front of the card. I know, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's so cool. Uh, back of the card, uh, look, he doesn't have a huge amount of excitement to offer here. It's mainly just that front of the card stuff, but he has a tomahawk, which is nice. Uh, another melee, uh, it's a melee ranged action. Um, sorry, it's just a melee action. My bad. Uh, there's a throw tomahawk, it's the other one. So he does two, three, four damage. Big deal. Um, comes with a built in tome, um, which gives him the trigger, not hardly. Which is while damaging, if this model was summoned this turn, deal plus one damage to the target. So just as he's coming mm. back limping out of the out of the mist, he can come in swinging, charge right away, and uh, do a three, four, five damage track on melee six, which is pretty goddamn impressive for a five soulstone model. Yeah, it is, especially when he charges. You know, when your opponent doesn't expect it. Uh, you're coming with me, which is after damaging, push this target up to three inches in any direction, then place this model in base contact with it. So, niche case, but what I see you're doing with him is one or two things on that last turn. I mean, it has to be the right scenario, of course. I mean, I'm thinking, uh, what's that one called these days? Oh, I can't,
3: I can't remember the name, but I know the one you mean. We discussed how it's fairly awesome.
1: Yeah, that one yeah. Or, the, or the one with two markers, uh, the stash markers could be useful as well. Basically, he comes in, charges, he either does heaps of damage and just kicks goals, or he pulls someone else out of the area that they're scoring on the strategy and then scores it himself. One of those two, which is pretty cool. Uh, And he can also throw his Tomahawk for a fairly mediocre shooting attack. And he has a zero, which is really nice as well. This model may suffer two damage to look at the top two cards of the deck and place either on top of the deck or on the bottom of the deck in any order. So that's just useful in every single game and every single situation, right? Yes. It's it's, uh, it's card shuffling. It allows you to know what's about to come up. Even if you draw two crap cards, you at least know what's coming soon. You know, or you can just dump them on the bottom, cycle your deck. You guys are card players. You know how useful that stuff is. Oh yeah, yeah,
3: definitely. So so Brian, you take Big Jack. Yes. You have him sat, but yeah. running around with a librarian.
4: So he can constantly filter healed.
3: through the deck, <laughs> get healed, and give you a massive amount of consistency. You might even approach my level of luck for your cards. Um, <laughs> well, if you have him and Vanessa,
1: you've got two models that can look at the top few cards of the deck and just really yes. uh, trim it down to that perfect red, red joker flip right when you need it or
3: whatever. For, for, to be fair for your, for your listeners, well, while we've kind of made out that I'm some king of malafoe. <laughs> um, I'm just really lucky whenever I play miniature yeah. games if it was 40k I used to take anything that had rending because our old 6s and stuff died and would roll a <laughs> massively disproportionate number of 6s and in this I flip good cards
1: I when see. I need to
3: maybe you need stuff yeah, to
1: mill, mean... uh Joe's deck Brian I don't know. Yeah, but
4: maybe ones. I should check his your fate deck and make sure you've got the right number of the right cards. Yeah, maybe maybe not. Um, I was say you're, enough,
5: you're allowed
3: like, to buy ground, two so. and just put all the good ones in, right? It's fifty-two cards made up of whatever you want. Yeah, that's it. Just put
1: in all <laughs> the <spheres. laughs> Yeah,
4: it, it exactly. just says fifty-two <laughs> cards. They can be any. Buy fifty-two decks and have fifty-two red. Jokes. It'd be fine. sounds like a fun game.
1: <laughs> It'll be over pretty quickly.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, big um, joke. Rate him. He's a he's a. He's a good-looking model, and he uh, he really packs a punch. You probably haven't seen him yet, because the model's only been out for, like, maybe a month or two. Ah, uh, okay. He's a brand well, But, new yeah, the, actually, the model is beautiful. And he can kill himself. <laughs> not many models can do that. So if you have him hanging around on turn four, and you want to summon him turn five, you can just do the two damage to yourself, kill yourself, yeah. and then uh, back you come on turn five anyway.
3: So even if you're not running healing... So you're playing Outcast, five stones to be able to... Thin your deck a little bit, five times, four, three times, sorry. But then he comes back turn five anyway. Mm-hmm. It's almost worth it in itself just to do that.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, you you probably I don't know. He's he's you're right. He's takeable even in a strategy where it doesn't really matter how many models you got. But Outcasts really struggle with the quarters one in particular, the, um, whichever one you want to call that reconnaissance or whatever reconnoiter and whatever it's called now. The, yeah. uh, the, the two models for a quarter, counting as two models for five stones, uh, it's two and a half stones per model. <laughs> that's pretty good.
4: Yeah, and anything that requires you to break through to, into your opponent's deployment zone and that kind of thing as well. Yep. Uh, if you can get one model there, uh, you can always pop him down
1: and have three. That's right. Pretty nice. All right, well, that's enough Jakey Jake. Have I convinced you? You dig him?
4: Definitely, definitely. I'm actually, I've actually, I've just opened up a little thing. i have just seen how much he is. From, um,
1: <laughs> again, <so. laughs> yeah, he's, he can't be that much. He comes all by himself. So uh, probably one of the cheaper models as far as Malifaux is concerned. Um, well, since Dave's mysteriously dropped off the call, I don't know if you noticed, listeners, but uh, he has mysteriously disappeared. That's just the nature of Skype and the way of the world. But uh, I suppose we'll shoot back to you, Joe, and see uh, what other beautiful model you have.
3: Yeah, my, my second one isn't going to be what it was going to be. I was going to say Joss, but I think everyone knows Joss. <laughs> he, is, uh, he is infamous for his abilities. So I went and picked something else that I really, really, really like and have fallen in love with since my first game of Malifaux. Um I don't use it enough, but I might start trying to put it in some more things. It's the Sabretooth Cerberus. Oh, yeah. Bit of a savage I cat. I really like this model. So it's a nine-cost enforcer, terrifying eleven to living. The dead don't get afraid of cats, apparently. Defense five, wall power five, the so same as Jake. It's fairly standard. Ten wounds, uh, which will comes into uh, one of his other abilities. Walk five, charge seven, height two. Potentially low stats, I guess, for a nine-cost model. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I
1: suppose it's slightly on the low side, but the, um, the charge seven, uh, his two is nice. Nine-inch threat's pretty pretty juicy, but. Yeah, he's
3: all um, oh, It's charge seven, he's only got re- melee range of one. Oh, one, is it? Right, okay. Yeah, but as long as he has five or more wounds, he gains a positive flip to attack and to damage.
1: Yeah, that's where he really comes in. Being out of focus all the time. I mean, when you consider that yeah. you've got two attacks in combat, right? If you yeah, yeah. focus attack, focus attack, that's it's kind of like having four AP.
3: Very, very good. Uh, he's also un- unimpeded, so he can go running through terrain, which is quite nice. That's cool. Frolic from um, Trade Tree. His Bite is one of my favourite things. Um, makes the, the Gunslinger look, look rubbish. Uh, it's <laughs> melee 6, range 1. It does 3, 4, 6 damage. Ouch. Which is really nice. If it hits a tome, after damaging, you take the attack action again against the same target. But it nice. doesn't say you can't hit triggers. So for uh, 1 AP, going. you can get an infinite number of attacks.
1: Yes, but, I have had that happen to me before. I've had a Cerberus gobble up my whole crew, which is the first time I ever played against Marcus.
3: It was, yeah. it was horrific. The, I, just I could oh, not, I love, could not I stop it. flipping times. Just time, time, time. He's also got a leap uh, requiring a five or more of masks to leap seven, ignoring rain and models, which is awesome to get into position. And has Stork. Hello,
2: have you guys got me? Dave, you
3: made it back, my man. You. Yeah, struggling. Yeah, we can. Struggling, struggling. <laughs> We're just talking
1: Sabretooth Tiger, homie.
3: Oh, cool. Yeah, he's also got Stork, uh, allowing you to discard a card, and um, a enemy model within line of sight gains Stork. Uh, so at the end of any activation in which the this model took a walk or charge action, one opposing model with Stork may take a walk action that must end the move as close to this model as possible. So having multiple tigers means you can start uh, really hunting something down. <laughs> That's a cool image. So you, you you move one up to see it and hit Stork on it. Um, you then have the one that couldn't see it take advantage of Stork by moving up the board and then being able to activate afterwards. Right, I've played quite a few saber-toothed Tigers before. I've never seen anyone do any really stalk tricks with them.
0: No, I don't think
2: Nick does.
3: I think if you run two or more, you could open up a lot of movement shenanigans and really gain gain a lot of ground that you wouldn't anyway. Nice. Um, is it one stalker stalk? The stork? It's a zero. Oh, cool. Um, so it means you can't leap. But if you like I said if you have one move, you could have one move 10 hit stalk on someone. Your second one can then move five if that model activates, and then leap seven, and then charge seven. Cool. So yeah, they <laughs> Wow. It is. <laughs> they're a little bit glass cannony, because um, like I said they've only they've got ten wounds, defense five, and no other defensive apart from the being terrifying. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're pure. Their pure damage output is phenomenal. Yeah, I find if you're playing against a saber it's all about getting a
1: little bit of damage in early if you can. Because they got the big model, the, the the big base and stuff. They're not too easy to hide usually. If you can pop uh, off just Big a base, but only on height two. Yeah, true. Height two, but I mean, you can you can crack off a few shots at it with something or whatever. Even oh, if you yeah. can't kill it, it's well worth putting a bit of damage on it just to get rid of that positives because it's only when you're on half health or more, I think.
3: Uh, five or more out of the ten, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, well worth putting a bit of damage on it, even if you can't finish it off. Because without the positive flips, it's nice, but a bit lacklustre. With the positive flips, it's fucking terrifying. Reliably hitting four or five damage with each swing. Ouch. I don't know if we've... Have we lost Brian now? A no, game.
4: no, I've uh, just, just lost to the in a cloud of sad remembrances um, <laughs> having to play against this model. Um, yeah, because you've not actually yeah. fielded more than one of these. Yeah. Um, and the idea of them moving around even more. I suppose that 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 stalk competes with leap. You've only got yes. one of them. A guaranteed seven move rather than I might be able to follow someone. Maybe if they move is probably more reliable. But yeah, if you were to go to the whole hog and start uh, doubling down on uh, on them, I just had a I got lost in a a world of um, thinking about one of those. It's an enforcer, isn't it? It is. So you can give it an upgrade. So giving it imbued energy so that it's fast uh, for a turn could be mm-hmm. incredibly horrible once you get it into the middle of your opponent's crew.
1: Well, the thing is, the thing yeah. that's worst about the Saber Tooth, really, is that it's not really nine stones, is it? It's actually seven, because everyone just takes that little Miranda. shapeshifter chick. Everyone takes Miranda, and Miranda goes... Yeah. I'm going to walk twice with my imbued energies because I'm super original. Everyone takes imbued energies. I'll sacrifice myself, <laughs> draw four cards, turn into a Cerberus, leap, and charge you. <laughs> you're like, holy shit. am on the other side of the board and now I'm getting my face gobbled off by a nine Soulstone Creech. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty heavy. Especially uh, Miranda, since she Miranda costs, is eight. Oh, sorry, eight. I apologize. She costs so eight. Oh, well, no. Combo model destroyed, Joe. To summon a model that, that one... costs more than her.
5: <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she's so crazy good. She's got to be one of the best models in the game, around her, actually. Defense 6... Seven, defense 7 standard? Holy shit. She's so uh, defense dead, 7 but... standard. Yeah, she's uh, she's got to be an auto-include for uh, for any Marcus crews. Bit surprised she doesn't make it oh, yes. into other Arcanist crews more often, actually. She's that good.
3: Bringing some uh, healing for beasts is handy. Yeah, that's um, it. You can
1: hang out, buff your beasts, have have a bit of fun for the first turn or two, and then you run a her and a
3: Cerberus. You just run the Cerberus in, and then have her use hunting call to make it attack, which then allows it to trigger and attack loads of times. Cerberus. Well, it's a
1: good choice. I like it. Are you going to be able to beat? Well, we be back to you, Dave. Now that you're back, homie. Have you brought you another? Yeah, one sure. To talk about,
2: mate. Yeah, my other one is the the um, little brutal effigy. A bit of a a less obvious one, I reckon. Um, mm. I, I, I like him not only because he's just He's a total cutie the, the actual model He just finds his way into, into basically All all of my crews Now this little fella, he's four stones With defence six Armour one and hard to kill And also gives you a bit of Finish the job, so if you actually do kill him He still drops A scheme marker for you Which is all, all great for a, when, when you're talking about a scheme runner He's also got a lackluster shoot that can give stuff slow, which is, I've slowed some stuff with it, that's not that awesome. But the really, uh, awesome bit about him beyond being a a sweet scheme runner is Fear Not the Sword, which is, he gives a a friendly meter, well, a friendly leader the condition, Fear Not the Sword, after they damage an enemy model with an attack, this guy heals damage, and after killing an enemy model, you draw a card. It's just pretty much all fantastic for four stones.
1: Yeah, the, uh, effigy models just, I'm, they don't get enough of a run, I feel like. They're, they're all so good, but in my experience in the Melbourne meta, at least, you don't see any of them very often, but they're pretty much all sensational. The Guild one's got to be one of the best ones. Just because for four stones, yeah. like, why not?
2: I mean, the big thing is, it's just better than whatever other scheme runner you would have at the same
1: cost. Oh, especially in Guild. Like, if, if when, you've, when you're talking Guild Guard or him, it's pretty easy choice, right? Yeah, no question.
3: And So we see a lot of the carrion Effigy. Oh, right. Because um, our, uh, uh, our resident Reza player um, uses him quite a lot. Actually, haven't seen him, but I imagine he's good. If you see, they're all kind of that
1: similar hardy little model that helps out your leader a little bit and just, you know, it's just a solid creature for four stones.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I just like him. He, again, he's, I chose him because he's one of the ones that I would see turn up in basically all my games. Um, kind of irrespective of the Master. I don't really take him with Lucius, but that's about it. And that's just because Lucius doesn't really attack
5: the enemy directly
1: or else. It's always good to have some of those go-to models that you can just use in every crew. I feel like I could use Big Jake in just about every crew. We're talking You missed, you missed us talking about him, Dave, but uh, well, yeah, I could right. also take probably um, Johan in every crew. There's, there's a few in every faction. Doppelganger, definitely. And uh, if not the Cerberus, then I could totally take Miranda in every crew. If she, she was an outcast, yeah. so I think she'd be in just about all my crews.
4: Yeah, I love, I love his um, his ability. It's only a little thing, but his his um, tactical action to give a little bit of healing or card draw to your leader as well. I like healing. I don't know if that's come across. You're a pacifist at heart, mate. Yes, just want to heal the world. Why is everyone fighting?
1: <laughs> no wonder you lose so many games.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right, who you who you um laying on us last, bro?
4: I was gonna, gonna talk about the doppelganger. And I suppose, I mean, I chose the librarian more for her in game effect. Um, one model I really like, uh, just for, um, sort of the fluff, fluff reasons, the background reasons, and the, um, and the model itself, um, which I've, i recently picked up is the Witchling Thrall. Oh, awesome. Which I really, really like Sonya's background. She seems to me to sort of embody that kind of the good guys, but not
5: Inquisitor ideals. sort of
1: thing, isn't it? Yes, it's very Inquisitor, yeah. yeah, the Spanish Inquisition kind of stuff.
4: Yeah, yeah and the the taking powerful people or, or taking potentially dangerous people and wiping their brains and doing and, and turning them, you know, into your puppets. It's actually a fairly kind of sinister, horrible thing.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and the Witchling Thralls, um,
1: kind of grimdark, kind of, uh, you might say. It would fit perfectly yeah, into very... another universe we could probably think of.
4: Yes, yeah, I, I quite like that that kind of uh, that kind of thing. Uh, the models are a bit of a nightmare to to put together because all the little chains, but uh they look nice. Rules wise, only it's a, it's a a nine a nine soulstone minion, which nine stone. I was
2: you, initially...
1: I, I'm trying to think of this model, Brian. I can't think of which one it is because you got your witchling stalkers, the, the which are the, the, the physical, little crazy dudes.
2: Physical ones not out yet. Mate.
1: Oh, is that why? Right.
4: Yeah, the really really big ones. Um with their hands chained and their, their eyes sort of blindfolded.
1: I see, because you've got the Wait, stalkers, which are the minions, and the uh, handlers, yeah. which are the human handlers, and then these guys are like the big nasty beasties.
4: Yeah, these, uh, these came out with ripples of fate. They've not been, uh, they've not been kicking around too long. Uh, cool. But I've used them in a couple games, and they, uh, they work quite nicely. They've got 12 wounds, uh, oh, defensively wow. power 5, so quite a chunk of wounds. Uh, and they are impossible to win as well, so... They'll be sticking around for a
1: while.
4: Yeah, those those 12 wounds should hopefully take a while for them to get rid of. Automatically passes Horror Jewels.
1: Sounds like a resume, Regardless so. of
4: the jewel total. But they're not immune to Horror Jewels, and uh, they have quite a nice synergy. Uh, do we have Lucius player?
2: Yeah, that's right. So they automatically pass Lucius's um kind of obey that he gives when he walks. So when he walks, he makes a model take a Horror Jewel on... I want to say it's a 13, maybe it's 12 now that they update, and then if you pass that, you get to take an activation. So they automatically yes. pass it, but they're not immune to it, so they can still be targeted.
4: Yeah, which is quite, quite nice if you're playing, uh, playing Lucius. They are prone to frenzy. So once per turn, after another model places a ski marker within four inches, that's any other model, uh, so friendly or enemy, uh, they may take a, a one, a one attack action.
3: No, really angry that people protection. are trying to actually be productive. <laughs>
4: yes. So I've been, I, I've used them as sort of my first line to soak up enemy ranged attack, get into combat, and then the people following up behind dropping ski markers and setting them off, uh, getting some extra attacks from them. Uh, it's quite nice. Uh, their attacks themselves are quite nice, uh, quite good. Um, chain Fist, uh, Melee Six. Uh, two inch range. They've got a charge of eight, so they've got a ten inch threat. Wow. Um, there. I'm yeah, like, yeah they Damage track is three, four, six, uh, which is, uh, which is lovely. Um, you could Nasty. get some nice, uh, nice damage from them, and the the middle's quite, quite high as well. Uh, but you'll we'll probably be hitting. Uh, built in tome, so if the enemy model they're attacking is willpower six, um, or higher, uh, they can heal two damage. Uh, if the enemy model is willpower five or lower, the enemy have to discard a card. Uh, so I like the idea of them being able to heal themselves. Not yeah. going to happen all the all the time. Um, however, their ranged attack, because they're not just a melee creature, they have a, a, a cast six uh, ranged attack, which is two, three blast, four blast. The built-in trigger for that uh, means you can turn the model's willpower stat to six. So you hit someone else, boost their willpower up to 6 so that you can get those other triggers. Uh, and it also helps out against um, uh, when you're using Sonya as well. That's a
1: Some weird interaction.
4: Oh. Yeah, it's quite a strange little one. Increasing your opponent's willpower. I initially read it and went, why would you do that? Oh, because you can heal and Sonya likes higher willpower things. And-
1: I hadn't come across that at all yet. Those guys, they're they're cool actually
4: yeah there's there's still more uh they could also um, <laughs> they have a tactical action for zero as well, which That's they need to flip the right? six for <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's got six inch range push this model into base contact with target friendly model uh now they have to declare a trigger if they're able because if you uh if you flip uh, flip a crow uh they have to attack that mm. so they get angry so someone yanks their chain, which is the name of the action. Uh, and it annoys them, and they lash out. Uh, but
5: you can but, cheat the
4: crow, right? Yeah, if you flip a crow, you can cheat something else in if you don't want to slap something. Are there other triggers, or is it just the crow? It's just the crow, yeah. Okay. So, so any quite other easy card? To
3: make some of your yes. shitty cards that are not. Yeah, uh, if you've got a six,
4: a six or more of something that you're not going to be using, you can have that as a backup.
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, to make sure it goes off. Uh, and I just massively astounded by the mobility of these things they they get around the board that walk five that charge eight and then being able to zero six inch push if you've got your model set up correctly followed by a uh, an eight inch charge with two inch melee on the uh, on the end and the amount of damage that they can kick out as well i took two of them uh recently and had them yanking each other's chains and pulling each other around the board and Ended up with them in the uh, enemy deployment zone at the end of the game, which I don't think I've ever really done with guild apart from with hounds. Yeah, it's not
3: usually you could, wrong. Just an interaction I've seen there. You, you, they can charge out, batter something 10 inches away, and then push back towards your lines to yes. have a bit, a bit of hit and <laughs> run in there as well.
4: Yeah, you can send them the other way. Oh, fuck those in.
1: guys.
5: <laughs> yeah, shit good
1: choice they sound like a brutal model like I, thanks for enlightening me on them i look at the box i'm just google the box set while we're chit-chatting and uh they come in a box of two which is relatively unusual as well yeah most models are sort of one or three aren't they but yeah two of those so, those you they're say they're cool looking models
4: and nine cost was it nine cost yeah so i don't yeah, so... think you'd ever
1: get three down no you probably wouldn't take three anyway you might not take two but occasionally two i guess yeah. but yeah, I mean that's that's always the case with those kind of minions and stuff. Is that you, you really want
3: to take three of anything? But as yeah, a just... nice aside, actually, sorry that it's something that we'd do is that if this was GW, they'd come in a box of five. Yeah, um, and cost you <laughs> four hundred pounds. Um, yeah. But we'd we'd seem to go. You're probably not going to want more than two, ever. Well, so we'll, well just weird, do them in a box of two.
1: We'd go. They've it's got this rare limit or whatever, so we'll just sell them in you know the maximum number. We're not going to sell you yeah like one or two if they've got rare three or whatever. We'll just sell you however many you can have in one. See, that that box. would be the
3: GW trick. They're rare three, but they come in boxes of two.
1: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Or well, like a regiment of ten to ten to twenty, and we'll give you we'll sell you a box of twelve, so you don't know whether to buy one or two. Oh, just just such things. <laughs> <it>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, very awkward. But no, uh, we I do like the way that we'd handle their stuff. And has that has that attracted you to the game at all? You two boys, as a oh, massively, you,
3: you can you can get everything you need to play and have a fairly good crew for, including a rule book for like fifty quid. Um It helped me
4: when I was was first getting into it. I thought, if I buy two crew boxes and then my friends don't love me anymore, they don't want to play this game. I've got any more I've got Shush. we uh, we've got um, I've got some nice models, and I've only spent out maybe a hundred pounds for the two boxes in the rule book
1: yeah, well, it's a good point. you know it's not too much of a crazy investment, so it's probably a bit easier to suck people in that way. but uh...
4: I, I've spent far, far, far more than that now. Having got into it, um, but it is something that, and if you're, you know, if you're, um, if you want your wargaming fix, but you know, you're a student or you've got a family um, or whatever else might be going on, you don't need to get lots and lots of stuff. But you will. You don't.
5: Yeah. But probably, you probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: oh. You don't need that second box that you're only going to use the half half the models for, because you, you know you can you go right. If I buy that, I've got enough and I'm done. With the buying that, um, I don't need to keep adding more and more stuff. Because Games Workshop about about 13, 14 years ago realized that people were buying models to play games. So if you made the size of the games bigger that you were encouraging them to play, then they'd sell more stuff.
3: And if you also increase the prices of the things you're selling... (laughs) then Yeah, you're laughing
4: all the way to the shareholders meeting. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Until everyone abandons your game to go play Malifaux and other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yes. As they, yeah. As they should. Yes, they should. All right. Well, that's been our um, favourite models little segment. Uh, we've probably knocked over another hour there or so, so I think we should have a brief break before we come back with some more tomfoolery. So any honourable mentions that any of you cats want to make uh, just before we go to break? Joss.
3: Joss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough of that. Um,
5: you got Australia.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> R I <laughs> p. Right guys, we're back with some Tom chit chat. Uh we're gonna get deep on the Malafhoe law now. We've talked models, we've talked uh rules a little bit, we've talked some of our favourite things to uh to play in the real Malafou game. Um so now we're gonna talk a bit of fluff. We're gonna go through the breach. Boys, if you went through the breach in real life, if the breach just opened, popped up in by the way, where is the breach? Where's the breach meant to be? In the America fiction? somewhere I think. Is it?
4: We, uh, we discussed this on a podcast not too long ago and we didn't know. And then someone came in and told us.
1: Oh, good. Yes, I, heard you, I heard you discuss that, <laughs> but I, and I thought you might have found out since.
4: So someone, uh, someone told us that I went, Oh, that's really interesting. Where was it? And they told us that, you know, it's in, it's in somewhere. It, I think it's in one of the older stories. It kind of tells you where it is. And then that, that knowledge has fallen out of my head.
5: Oh what! It was
1: in America. <laughs> but you're about to tell breaches.
3: us.
4: Yes, yeah. Well, yeah, there is another one. Have their own, don't they? Yes. There's another
1: in um, China or Japan or middle and generic Asian trope land.
2: trope
5: <laughs> land.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where the other one is, but we presume it's. I don't know. It's not necessarily America. I thought it might be London. See, I thought UK. that. I'm not sure what made uh, me think that though. I was wrong. Because, of course, it opened um, and the Guild swooped in and took over the Breach situation after the end of... It was re- reopened briefly after the war that the Guild sort of took over the world, from what I understand. Yeah, we're all... <laughs> yeah, sure. Well learned on the ru- on the fluff. Good to hear. I just get it all from Breachside Broadcast. <laughs> I don't read. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. So, all right. So, we go through the Breach in this um, mysterious new world of ours... Uh, what happens? What magical powers do you guys get? Would
4: this be wow. an existing power that lies dormant within us?
1: Yes, I so think maybe so. something
4: we've got some hints of. So it needs to, it needs to be I personality
1: could... trait, I think. It can't just be like, yeah. I, th- I wish I could fly. I thought, like, it's not the superhero question. It's the it's the breach one, you know, that you just go kazap and then all of a sudden you you know everything about machines like Ramos or something yeah. like that.
4: So, I mean, I could answer maybe for Joe and see what he thinks
3: of it. Yeah, I think so.
4: Yeah, your gaming superpower is your uh, incredible luck. Yes, uh, where I'd, I'd like to
3: think I'm quite tactically adept, if I'm honest, but that might just be a massive <laughs> lie. Um,
4: yeah, so maybe I'm just attacking Joe personally here, but I think your um, I think your your superpower that will come through. Your ability to manipulate chance and manipulate uh, luck, I think, would would blossom into something that you could fully control. Wow. It is
3: something I was considering. Um, as, as my as my power because yeah like I said I, it is I don't I don't know if I'm actually good at these games or I just manage to get the cards I need or the dice rolls I need when when I need them so or you yeah, just stroll yeah, around
1: like it's very fate related Malivo isn't it so it's a very appropriate power to have maybe you just yes. stroll through the bayou or the quarantine zone and zombies are just like roll up and just high five you instead of eating your brains out or whatever just because
3: accidentally just... tripping on things rather than actually managing to get near me
1: yeah <laughs> you just walk around eating not Jacob lynching cards yep <laughs> getting away with all the scrange right on that, that, that'd that be a pretty good power to have actually it's hard to think of a better one because what's, what, what else do you need I in life except too. luck uh, <laughs> 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 through luck
4: um I'm trying to think of any uh, sort of superheroes have that power. Does Constantine have some element of that? I don't know. Am I, being I haven't read any Constantine. <laughs> is Constantine I don't, I don't the guy that sorry. kills
1: the demons and stuff? Isn't it Keanu Reeves is Constantine, right?
4: Yes, yeah, yeah but Keanu Reeves is bad Constantine. <laughs> it's wrong and not British. Uh, <laughs>
3: okay, <laughs> I'm not familiar. Uh, with there, there are character. superheroes that have it. I just don't think there's anything but anyone particularly like well-known. One of the X-Men, Longshot, has a. Uh, ability to manipulate luck.
4: Oh that well-known X-Man. Yeah, long shot. Yeah, it's <laughs> a popular one.
3: <laughs> that is a long shot. But apart from that, I don't. I don't think it's a. It's not flashy enough to be in comics.
4: No, no. There's no whiz pop bang uh, visuals to go with something like that.
1: Well, I think if Malfoy lacks anything, it's um, it's a good, it's a good academic, you know, educational base. I mean, outside of, uh, I suppose, Sandeep and his homies that have gone in of late, there's, um, there's not a lot of that going on. And from what I gather, they seem to have done their learning earth side and then and then come over. So I think Dave, if he passed through the breach, because you may or may not know this about Dave, but um, he wrote, once wrote a book called How to Get a PhD. Uh, very okay. very fancy character. I didn't, I
2: didn't write that. I read a book called How to Get a PhD and then got a
1: PhD. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so you pass through the breach and uh, now you have these super reading and writing powers I think that would be a pretty sweet power to have so you can just pick up a book and just like read it immediately in like two seconds flat I feel like Dave could could pick up that major academia power like that part of his brain which he spends a lot of time fluffing about doing as it is would like swell up and he would be able to read books instantaneously And also write books uber fast. And he would accrue like hundreds of PhDs. And then basically people would roll up to his classes and he would just sort of, like he'd be able to wear like long scarves in like really alternative ways that just, that just, you know, (laughs) around uh, his ankles, that like (laughs) academic ladies and stuff just are suddenly drawn to him. And he'd also be really good at starting drum circles and similar things. I already am. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> except super good <laughs> like so British, for our
4: British listeners, what is a drum circle
1: a drum circle is is a is a hippie thing that um that's i don't know like alternative academics and or people who uh, never grew out of Woodstock would sit around in a circle and play some drums but really i don't I don't know you'd know more about this than me dave what what's involved in a drum circle
2: well, it's when you want to show the man what's what. And, you know, smash the hetero-capitalist patriarchy, you and Moonbeam and Sunshine and your other friends get your bongos together, and then just rock out with a, a, a killing bongo solo, and that, that basically, you
4: know, change, here we go.
1: Sounds lovely. Usually you smoke it's a few right. joints or something as well, I understand. Soulstone yep. joints naturally <laughs> laced with with pure energy yeah gets you fired up for those bongos just like laying out amazing beats yeah. is this how you imbued energies a lot the pumpkins. upgrade works that's imbued energies,
5: that's right <laughs> just <laughs> the have soft have a soft tone tone joint, joint that they puffing on <laughs> just
1: go completely bananas time slows down just giving sending so, out tomes like left and right because you're so academic <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, Hugh, I had an idea of your ability if you went through through the bridge. Um, oh, yeah. I'd like to describe this this magical power as the power of the bee, oh, um, the bee. but not, not, not a physical bee. What, what it would mean is that whenever anyone else won an award or was given something, they would love you so much that they would give it up for you and talk <laughs> about how influential you are on their life.
1: Oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Wait, wait, why is it the bee? Is this a pop but, culture reference I'm missing?
2: Yeah, Beyonce, Queen Bee.
1: Oh, of course. Beyonce. I like it.
3: Oh, yeah, with all the the recent weirdness. So I just like stroll down
1: the street just thanking people for my accolades and what have you and just um, basically basking in um, the shared glory of being who.
2: Someone would compliment someone else and suddenly your husband would appear out of nowhere and say, just a minute, I've just got to say about how good you are
3: that kind
1: of thing be, 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 get a... Get a... <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good power too actually well known
3: for all those awards he didn't win <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd have like all of your PhDs on my wall and shit
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> gee these powers well, That's are... <laughs> a horrible power
3: to pair together isn't it <laughs> yeah sure is Dave, yeah. Dave winning all these things and then going well I'm just going to give them to him like, yeah, yeah I, I could just
1: hang out with Dave and just um, just just bask in all the glory of all his academic achievements and have, hang out in, in um, drum circles and smoke solstone weed. Sounds like a pretty good life, actually. I'm liking this more and more, this Through the Breach stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lucky Brian would come down every now and again and fleece us all at cards, and then everyone would congratulate me for it. <laughs> <laughs> well i guess that just leaves joe what's uh what's joe's superpower oh, right?
3: no i i'm i'm the lucky one so it leaves brian oh sorry of course Ooh. joe would come back <laughs> oh, <you> <laughs> <laughs> in disguise apparently yeah slightly slightly shorter thinner version of me oh see oh, i don't know i some some kind of literary ability would have been quite quite fitting but we've we've had that and uh Duplicating it sounds seems a, a bit of a cop-out. You, you have a little bit, uh, although I probably should have anticipated this and or thought about it beforehand.
1: Through, so... the, through the magic of editing, listeners, you will now find that Joe has taken zero seconds to think of this amazing
3: thing. <laughs> <laughs> your, your ability to not grow part of your beard could expand. Oh,
4: um... like, yeah, I could, uh, I could actually grow hair like a real boy. That'd
5: be good. That'd <laughs> be um, change. I,
4: in fact, I, it would, it'd be nice for me to have like a, a second puberty where my beard actually came in and my voice broke. Um, <laughs> that would be quite nice.
1: Gee, to, uh, that'd be an just awkward just to thing, be thing to have on the boy. train as you go through the bridge, though, wouldn't it? Like, <laughs> I don't know, just going through <laughs> puberty all of a sudden.
3: And...
4: <laughs> yeah, as long as it was compressed to that journey. So I stepped out the other side. The height of a real man with a flowing beard and a
3: deep, booming bass voice. <laughs> um, and What's... we go, Who's that guy? <laughs>
4: would, you, would you have,
3: would you have um, progressed beyond Hobbit stature as well?
4: Yes, yes. I, I'd be I'd be of average height and happy with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Extra bit of growing during puberty as well. Why not? You can put it on a growth spurt. But it's got to be super soulstone puberty, so you've got to have like. I don't know, like a super beard. <laughs> Come, like comes a... out as just
3: some burly Viking man, <laughs> like
1: or like a reverse joke. reverse Super <laughs> Saiyan, like your hair yeah. just yeah, sh- shoots yeah. out of your chin, or like a hardcore. Maybe I blonde. could
4: have like a giant beard and I could control it and use it to confuse my enemies or to stroke women from across the room. That sounds powerful. <laughs> You'd have to maybe maybe that is
3: what it. happened to Big Jake. He was height one before he hit the breach. Yes. He came through, and now, weirdly, <laughs> his, his name's not quite as much of a joke anymore.
1: Now he's height yeah. two. Now, all of a sudden, gremlins can see him over, like, low hedges and stuff.
3: Yeah, he can reach those things on the high shelves. <laughs>
1: that sounds useful. But I don't know if you'd want... You'd have certain advantages of being able to stroke women across the room with your soulstone beards and stuff. But, I mean... You'd also have, like, you know, hardcore, soulstone-powered puberty stiffies and awkwardness and all those other great things that happen during puberty. It's only awkward if you're not
3: using it right. <laughs> yeah,
1: but you're if not. You're taking advantage of it every <laughs> <It's puberty>. time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe,
4: like, the, the deep, bassy voice that I, I could sort of make, make things rumble though, that cause earthquakes um, just by reciting awkward goth
1: poetry. That's what we, we do in the <laughs> teenagers. That sounds like uh, like an actually useful power. I like it.
5: <laughs>
1: all right. Well, cool. Well, that was <laughs> that was a bit of fun. Now that we're over in the breach and we're using all our powerful maneuvers to do all kinds of silly tomfoolery, let's take a different tact and say, I think the guild basically they're screwing things up, right? You would agree with that, job. wouldn't you, Dave? Yeah, for sure. They are. <laughs> I Definitely. thought you were going to tell me the opposite. I thought you were going to be like, no, 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 the Guild, uh, you know, you always have to I've got my Neverborn hat on now. What's your uh, Neverborn line?
2: Making Malifaux great again. <laughs> I, thought,
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to say, we grew here, you chewed chewed here. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> <Yeah>, one. <no, fine. laughs> so, great Australian idiom. If you were the Guild, how would you enforce law? How would you uh, how would you take over Malfoy in such a way that you're doing a more effective job than the current inept characters.
3: Easy.
2: Build a wall yep. and make them pay for it.
1: <laughs> that is easy. You're right. Lower taxes and, and you know, make the economy better at the same
3: time.
2: And have more money it'd be tremendous. I'd have the best taxes. Everyone would love my taxes. I'd, I'd be the most popular with them as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds like a foolproof.
3: The ability plan. to start denying weather patterns and everything, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah,
1: hundred <laughs> percent. The guild are news. a bit racist in hindsight, actually, aren't they? They seem to be coming down hard on those um, on those Neverborn characters at the very least. They're
3: very, they're very low tech, like Imperium. I suppose you're right. They are a bit Imperiumy. A bit sort of colonialist,
4: aren't they? Going conquering somewhere, taking it over, and saying, we live here now.
3: Constructive use of flags.
1: Yeah,
4: right. yeah.
1: They're a weird mix between like. Old school Western America and current america i guess is that the intention? with,
3: with a, a kind of like a, a sprinkling of british empire in there well, this makes me th-
1: want to um talk other side Have you guys talked other side much yet? I did listen to your podcast about it, but have you have Thank you just de- have you decided to uh take the plunge in that direction yet or not? If it
4: finished uh, a month later, or in fact if it finished two weeks later, then yes, because I'd have had the money, but as it was, it finished in the middle of January and I, I was poor, um, so I didn't, I didn't back it.
3: I was going to be in a similar position of waiting on student loans to pop through, you know, to be a real mage. Um, <laughs> and... But got my money early and still decided not to back it in the end. Um... I love Malifaux for the the quality of models and not having to paint much and all the reasons we've gone through already. And it feels like the the other side is because it's moving into more of a, a proper uh, conflict with armies. It, it, it's a lot of stuff to have, and I'm not keen on some of the models. I don't. Like, it's got the appeal of having these massive creatures that I don't really like. Um, it looks cool. And I'd like to see where it goes, and I might pick it up later. But right now, it's not something that appeals. Personally. You know what?
1: You, you basically just... I think you went through the breach and got super mind-reading powers there, Joe, because you basically <laughs> just said exactly what, what my... I was just lucky, mate. Was, really. <laughs> yeah, just nailed it. <laughs> 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 just lucky.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not feeling it that much either. I'm not enough to start something new.
1: Yeah, it feels a little bit... Um, I guess just too big. Like the main appeal of Malifaux really is just only having a few models on the table and the, the painting and things that we're talking about. And that that that. Uh, sadly, painting up a whole army just doesn't really tickle my pickle at the moment. It's not really floating my boat.
3: Yeah, I mean, from from a from an actual like a a, a gaming point of view, I love the tactical options and everything that Malifaux pre- presents. Um, and units now just feel like really like cumbersome. Versions of things we already have. Yeah. If everything's acting together, why can't I just have one model rather than having to have like four?
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose. Rather there's than a, there...
3: tracking wounds on a card, you are taking models off a base. It it seems.
1: You are absolutely right. Like... When you when you are talking, like, let's say you have ten models aside. I mean, I know Malifaux is usually a bit less than that, or whatever, but but you have a similar number of drops, sort of in a ten unit army game, than in a ten model skirmish game. And yeah, I agree with you. Like, I'd rather paint ten models than. You know, a hundred. So
4: yeah, uh, I, can, I can see why Weird as a company would want to to chase the war game rather than the skirmish game because
0: well, it's an extra it's an extra
3: sort of feather in their hat, really, isn't it?
4: I, I, I'm thinking if if you've got to buy five or six of the same thing, then uh, to to have your army, then you're selling a lot more models. You're selling a lot more product
3: Yeah, there is that. In uh, you know, the game, games,
4: games workshop, saying, oh, "We have made a plastic, sp- uh, ten plastic space marines. You will need to buy five of this box." Uh, whereas we'd go, "We have made these really cool, individual, unique guys. They're, they're individual and unique. You only need one of each."
1: You're right, but and that's logical. Except, yeah. except in practice, I find that I don't. The way that I spend, anyway, on a personal level, it doesn't really go that way. Like when when I have a bit of money left and I want to spend it on models. I just buy the next master or whatever, you know, instead of just adding yeah. to my existing army or whatever. I wouldn't say I actually spend considerably less on Malifaux than I used to on fantasy and stuff in, in okay. actual practice. Because I just buy the next thing. You know? But then I guess oh, I never yeah. oh. I wasn't as extravagant with it as some war gamers are where I wasn't I wasn't going out there lashing out on a new two thousand point army every six months or so, you know. So I guess.
3: But thing. the money you're spending, if you're spending an equivalent amount, you're getting far much more for it as, as a Malifaux player.
1: Yeah, I am. I mean, I mean I'm getting more for it uh, on in terms of variety on the tabletop, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and weird are getting more in the sense that if I'm buying less physical models, that their profit margin is higher on those models. So I'm not entirely convinced that the the army game is more... Is more profitable than the skirmish game. You've got to put so much infrastructure into building all those different models and, and all that kind of thing. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah.
4: I just think potentially from, from, uh, from my time working, uh, in sort of in retail, if you, if you're saying that, let's say, a plastic mold costs you £20,000, uh, to produce a, a sprue, uh, which is roughly what it was back then. It's probably a lot cheaper now, but, um, you need to sell X number of, uh, of boxes to, To make that money back if you're going broad and going wide like malifaux does you've got lots and lots of those little investments in terms of sculpting time and making the making the the actual production of each thing whereas games workshop i mean the the tactical space marine box that they sell in the shop now is the same one when i was working in the shop um over 10 years ago they must have sold Thousands upon thousands of units of that one thing, and it plastic itself is fairly cheap. So they're yeah. probably but for every one of them, there's box. A... it's a twenty-four pound profit.
1: For every one of them, there's a hundred different, you know, like halfling skirmishes and shit like that that they that they put yeah. the money into producing, and <laughs> no nobody ever buys them.
4: Yeah, you someone know. probably
1: got sacked for halflings. <laughs> well, eventually the whole Warhammer world got sacked. Maybe it was the halflings' fault, either, you it? Know?
3: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone thought it'd be the Skaven, but no, no. <laughs> it's the other tiny people Those dastardly halflings
1: all right well um we've yeah. already sort of squeezed into the next section a little bit so uh, to, <laughs> it's a little bit difficult with this uh, with this slight delay over the breach I keep cutting you off uh, which I'm sure I wouldn't do on a normal phone call but never mind we have got a little bit of uh, sagely advice to to hand over and a bit of chit chat about other games after the next break and um, this cast is already getting reasonably long so you guys cool to go to a break
4: yeah yeah sure
1: Beautiful. Yeah. Welcome guys. Uh, Dave has unfortunately dropped off in the break just due to fabulous Australian internet. If there are any um, non-Australians out there listening to this, which I know there are, um, be aware that Chile has better internet than us, and I've been told so does Uganda. I mean, nothing against Chile or Uganda, but uh, they're not exactly known for their infrastructure. Um, so... <clears throat> that's just one of the awkward things about living in Australia. So Dave has dropped off and probably won't be back, but we do have some exciting stuff still to talk to about. I want to talk to Brian and Joe. I want to get you guys' opinions on some other non-Malifaux games, and I want to get your sagely advice about what I should be playing right now. Awesome.
4: I suppose with um, that is, it depends on what you enjoy Malifaux for. What is it that really keeps you coming back to the table and playing Malifaux time and time again?
1: Well, I love basically all sort of turn-based uh, thinking games. I like lo- I like uh, strategy games. I like hanging out with the homies and having a couple of beers and playing games on the tabletop. I like aesthetically pleasing games, like a like a Malifaux game is. You know, that that's part of what gets you into the pretty miniatures. But I like strategy. I'm not into Monopoly really, but I love um, anything that just involves a bit of, a bit of fun and a bit of turn-based shenanigans.
4: I'd say we we covered Monopoly recently, but uh, we're not fans either. Um,
1: <laughs> Did you guys actually play in the
4: end? Yeah, we've um, we've played and released a, a video of us playing Monopoly and just slowly will it, losing the will to live. Hopefully, it's <laughs> a bet. Well, on um, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's on YouTube. So, yeah. so
1: if anyone out there, if you if you if you've played Monopoly and you got bored. Playing Monopoly, like everyone who's ever played Monopoly, jump on
3: YouTube and watch these guys play Monopoly,
5: and watch someone else being
0: boring.
3: bored. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, actually, you, you get to go on there and watch me be a dick to Aaron. Oh, okay. um, there's a there's
4: a there's a dick counter on the video that counts every time you're a dick.
1: <laughs> yeah. Shit, normally um, videos with dick counters are not safe for work, but I guess that one's kosher. I think it's it's called something else, Um, but (laughs) that's essentially what it is. It's an
4: implied dick, not an actual visible dick.
1: Uh, (laughs) I see. um, We
3: we could have had tiny penises appearing across the bottom (laughs) of the screen. That's what I imagine when you search the (laughs) (laughs) picture.
4: You get a a feel of what it's like to play games with Joe, where the one loophole in the Monopoly rules was exploited to to his uh, advantage repeatedly, over and over again.
1: (laughs) And he lands on free parking. People need to pay
3: attention, Brian. Yes, if
4: that helps you excuse your, uh, your dubious morality, then as long as you
3: feel okay. Uh, I do.
4: Yeah, we, we're, we're really big fans of games that make you think, games that have decisions um, and games that make you interact with the people that you're playing games with.
1: And I'm guessing most of my listeners, my Red Joker friends out there, um, are in a similar boat. So I want to know what games, as, as a general gaming podcast, which is what you guys have... What game should fans of Malifaux be be cracking into?
4: Go on, Joe. You give it. A, give one first. Go on.
3: If we're talking general other things that are thinking now, I mean, we've we've always said that you've got forty k and stuff at the bottom end of the spectrum for thinking. It's just target priority. Just above uh, enough, you then like. go up to War Machine because there's a bit more involved on that. And then Malifaux is the real kind of tactical, thinky end of the spectrum. Okay, yeah. Um, I've, I've got quite a big card gaming background. Uh, I've played a bit of Magic. I love Dice Masters. I've played a bit of Card Fight Vanguard. Cool. Um, I've dabbled at Yu Gi Oh! Uh, so and then kind Masters, of go, oh, God, this is awful. Dice Masters, um,
4: curiously, being uh, a card game. Even though it's called Dice Masters, <laughs>
1: I didn't know that was a card game. I
5: admit.
4: Yeah, it's got dice with it, but it's all about the cards that you that you have built. Um, you've got to choose from. Oh, uh, yeah,
3: dice attached
4: to them, um, um, and it, it it's plays a
3: like a, a tabletop card game, even though there are dice, which essentially is is the variance in your mana pool. Um, um.
1: What made you stop playing Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments, Joe? Did they tell you you were too old? I, or... I didn't
3: ever get to tournament level. I kind of I built a deck and stuff because a, a mate was playing it, and then realised that it's just fucking dumb.
1: Uh, <laughs> I was going to say maybe you were allowed to win a game before. You weren't allowed in the, you the you allowed primary turn. schools anymore where
5: they play. <laughs> 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 fucking idiot! What are you playing that for? I'm only six. And
4: I'm Um, yeah so cutting edge gaming criticism here
3: (laughs) a game that that we if anyone if it's a fan fan of our podcast will know you guys maybe not so much but we are we are currently massively obsessed with netrunner uh netrunner is asymmetrical so it's actually quite different from a lot of card games because you're not both doing the same thing you take it in turns to play as a hacker or as a corporation.
1: Ah, oh, right. And
3: the, the hacker is trying to break into the servers. The corporation is obviously trying to keep them out or murder them um, in a lovely cyberpunk dystopian future kind of way. Mm. Uh, we You have wonderful things to look forward to, like trying to land meteors on them to kill them is, is what, something that's coming out soon.
4: Uh, <laughs> that makes it sound rubbish.
3: It, it well, Yeah, okay. Um... <laughs> For people that play the game, it's like, oh my god, what an escalation. But, you know, you can hire people to go, go around their house and shoot them. There's all, all kinds of cool stuff you can do in the game. But if, yes. if taking the, the war game analogy of kind of going, you've got 40k into War Machine, into Malifaux being the thinking end, I would say you've got the exact same thing with the card games. So I would probably put Dice Masters maybe at the lower end, Magic the Gathering in the middle, and then Netrunner's... The step up it, it, there is so much depth of, to it there are so many it's a very thinking based game there's lots of bluffing just below involved you involved in the- <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> like cause one of the things we like about Malifaux is that ability to bluff out what you're trying to do the hidden, hidden objectives and stuff like that and you get all of that in Netrunner cool Oh, it's just it's just wonderful. Yeah. Brian could probably put, make some more words that sound better, but
4: yeah, I mean, just as an example, then there there's um you are trying to as a corporation keep your data safe, and the hacker is trying to hack into your um, into your your research and development or into your your HQ and steal the files for all the stuff you are planning, mm-hmm. uh, which are represented by cards. But you've got other cards there that, that do other things. So my current favorite trick is to play out a card um so basically i I take a a card install it now the runner can see that i've installed it the the other player knows it's there and i will put some advancement tokens on it that's basically saying i'm progressing this uh this thing that my company's doing i'm doing
3: some work on it the card is face Um, down at this point
4: yes they don't know what it is and what i then i finish my turn i turn to the runner and say cool you'll go now they've got a choice they can run at that and they can they can hack in and try and steal it if it is one of my what they call agendas the the points in the game the the really big projects that you're trying to do that's great they steal that and they've uh, they've got a chance to sort of win the game by stealing that or it but can be attractive. they've
3: gained they've gained points cuz the it's the first to seven points so an agenda can be worth anything from 1 to there is one agenda in the game worth 6 most of most of the time it's 1 to 3 right um so it's almost so like your points...
1: strategy points that, you, that you're... Yeah, um,
3: depending on the size of your deck as a corporation, it, it dictates the number of agendas you have to have in. An average yeah, size yeah. would be you 49 j-
4: cards. You It sa- sounds really dull when you say it like that. An average size
3: deck? So an average deck yeah. of 49 cards would have twen- uh, eight, 19 or 20 agenda points in there. So by right. stealing Brian's, you're limiting his ability to win the game.
4: Yeah, so if it's if it is one of those, then I'm going to add an extra point to it next turn, score it, get some points, maybe win the game. If it's not, you could run face first into a program I've constructed that hunts you down through the internet and fries your brain because you're jacked in into your brain into the internet. Um, in a very
3: Matrix-style way.
4: Yeah. So you play this card, down, and you look at the person across the table and you go, right, do you want to win the game, potentially, or do you want to potentially die and lose? And you just give them that choice. And it's got that kind of uh, that level of interaction, the bluffing, the I mean, I'm a big fan of Jacob Lynch and I love the way that you can cheat cards face down.
1: Yeah, that's Lynch. fantastic, isn't it? I love that. too. It's my
4: favorite ability in the entire game uh, because it completely changes the dynamic of how that, that, sort of, that process works and adds that extra level of bluffing. And Netrunner is all about that kind of, that interaction, that sussing out what they're doing, putting in your counter strategies and uh, sort of messing with each other's heads as you play.
1: That's awesome. That and sounds, the depth that, of it is. That actually is sounds huge. like a lot of fun. Um, people who who like the sound of Netrunner, who are interested in it, I'd recommend you go and you listen to the first Critical Twits episode in which they talk about it. And then go away and, um, you know, collect a deck or, or read the rules or, or get a bit, you know, have a bit of a think about it before you move on to the other ones because I found, um, I really enjoyed your first episode about, uh, Netrunner and I was intrigued and actually I'd, I'd be keen to give it a whirl sometime. I should definitely give it a go because I love card games. I played a bit of magic in my day. I really liked Warhammer Invasion, which was a fantasy flight one because it was a, a living card game, they call it, where you have, um, uh, yes, like, it's like a collectible card game, but you, uh, you you don't need you don't have random packs you have like set set cards available which is really good because you can just buy like a yeah. whole deck and you know what you're getting and that kind of thing.
4: Yeah, that is the same.
3: Yeah, it's oh, it's awesome. a fantasy flight game and it's living living card game. Great the news. End, yeah, end like, of this year
1: I wouldn't do CCG again. Uh, no, like, no, we, again. we
3: all feel the same way. <laughs> it's
1: got to be LCG the, from uh, here on out.
4: Joe used to play a lot of Dice Masters, and that is a collectible card game, and it was a good game. But it became, if you want to win, you need to buy this rare card. It's eighty pounds on the internet. Uh-huh. You then need to buy more dice for it to go on the card. Ah. Eighty pounds on the internet. Um, <laughs>
1: gotta hate that pay no. to win. Every having every card yeah. as the same value, genius. Like, I can oh just yes, build whatever deck I want, and I don't feel yeah. limited by. I remember playing Magic back in the day, and I would do similar thing, like I would go online and I would get, I would build a deck. Like I hated just like buying a million goddamn booster packs and try to find the card I want or whatever. So you yeah. go on the internet and you buy a deck, in effect. But it's bloody expensive, and you always have to find alternatives for good cards because good cards were expensive, and there were so many bad cards. And the beauty of an LCG is that they they try to balance it really evenly because those cards are available to everyone. So hopefully yeah.
3: they. Yeah, and, and you know what you're getting, so if you yeah. want a certain card, you can go, cool, that, that pack will cost me this amount of money. Yep. Um, something nice that Netrunner does as well. The core set um, is is a is a core set. There are core cards that are still good now. It's not a starter set.
5: Awesome.
3: It's worth having. Um, the only thing it does that I don't like is in the core set, and it's the only set that does it. You don't get a full play set of every single card. Uh yeah, they did the same you thing. You get a full play set of most things not everything. Um, so so that, those that's one, the only drawback. Those ones you yeah. want the
1: maximum number in your deck. How many of one card can you put in? Is it three or four? Three, yeah. So the one you want three there of, are... there's one. And so you don't want to buy Maybe three s- corsets to get those
3: three cards. I think each faction has a one-off in there. Oh, okay. A few two-offs, and most of them are threes. Uh, and nowadays, you can get around it you don 't need to bother buying three corsets most of the time. I would definitely go around um, it. I would not be that
1: sucker that buys three corsets to get to get one card three times
4: what it what it does though is it because what what you do is you have like your neutral cards for the runner and your neutral cards for corporation and then you, you pick up you say all right i 'm going to be the corporation that 's a bit like Fox News. They find out where you live and ruin your life and smear you in the uh, in the media and you just pick up their little pack of cards that's in the box, add it to the neutral card, shuffle it and play. So there is a reason why it doesn't have everything, in that it's essentially, it's very sort of plug and play straight out of the box.
3: I mean, they also have the Deluxe Packs, which come with a faction for the runner, a faction for the corporation. It does the same thing. It has pre-constructed decks in there that you can play. Mm -hmm. And they are something that will never rotate so if you're one of these people that doesn't want to spend money on cards that are in a few, and that's the thing with Netrunner it will always be in a few years time probably about, I think life, the lifespan of a card is about four years at the moment because rotation's going to start soon so anything that comes out now as far as these yeah, games are concerned, not, that's a pretty long lifespan,
1: I mean, most games I play don't last three to four years you know, alone... this is it, um,
3: yeah. but those gelux sets never rotate, which is nice as well
4: the, the the final thing to say about Netrun, I think, because you said you fancy having a go. Now, there's a, a website called net, named after one of the, the factions in the game. It's the one that I like to play that plays lots of tricks and lets you kill yourself by running into places you shouldn't have gone, which I quite like.
3: It does mean that if you want to play it, if you know someone that knows how to play the game, you can have them talk you through. When me and Brian play online, we use Skype so we can still bluff and, and chat and talk shit at each other. Fantastic. But it's it's helpful. Like if we were going to give you an introductory game, we could go. Cool. This is the deck you put in, and you could I could literally go copy and paste. Boom. There you go. You're ready to play. But you is... could play against Brian while I sat there with a screen share on Skype, going. This is what you need to click to achieve this. this is it is like Magic works. Online
1: though, where you pay like the same real no, world money for fake cards? No, it's completely free. Free.
3: It's not it's not endorsed properly and it has <laughs> had issues in the past, but it's been going for a few years now and it is completely free and everything is on there. Holy shit, that's unheard of. Yeah, yeah, right? it's, it's so amazing. We
4: could, you could download the rule book and then we could meet up online and we could teach you how to play. Yeah. Oh,
1: Before you spend great. any Cost money nothing. at all. Yeah. We might have to do that. All right, that sounds really um, fun.
4: Yeah. And you said that, you know, you like to have a beer with your game. We, we do what we call our pub runner. So sort of every fortnight we go to the pub and uh, we take over a corner of it with sort of five or six of us and play a bunch of games uh, and drink some beer.
1: Awesome. That yeah. sounds fantastic. All right. Well, Netrunner, spot on. Sounds like a really cool game. I'm a big fan of Fantasy Flight, so I can see why I would enjoy that one. Yes. Uh, I'm going to have a quick chat about a um, non-Fantasy Flight game. For, I, I'm going to assume that all of our listeners have... Um, Tabletop games covered because you know they know more or less what that's about. But a good board yeah. game I've been enjoying lately is Scythe. Have you guys tried Scythe? It's one we've been looking at.
4: That's... Yeah, I've been I've been very intrigued. It looks to be um, you might you might be able to correct me if you've been playing it. It looks like the kind of thing that would take an entire afternoon to play.
1: Uh, I can correct you there. Actually, it's relatively quick. It's, it's plays a lot oh, like excellent. it plays a lot like Settlers with mechs and more pretty pictures. Um, oh, that sounds good it's like a cross between I say settlers in the sense that you have like a board with hexagons and that kind of thing, and you have like uh various little uh wooden play pieces and that kind of thing as well as well as plastic ones uh but uh, it's very aesthetically pleasing it's it's a pretty kind of alternate past it's just after World War one, but some different stuff's gone down in World War one and there's some sort of crazy technologies have been found and so it's a bit sort of it's almost Malifaux-esque in the sense that it's a cross between sort of the, the real world, and, but it's totally fantasy. Yeah. So it's a cool setting. It's beautiful artwork, and um, oh, it's a great game. I've played it. I've just picked it up recently. I've had it about three weeks, and I've played probably a dozen games in that time, which is crazy. And it's one to five players, which is a weird thing. You can even play against the board, if you want, by yourself.
4: Oh, wow. Um, uh, I know Aaron and Jamie are, are, are into that kind of style of board gaming.
1: Well yes. oddly I, I well, when I picked it up I said to the guy at the shop, it's like I can't imagine ever playing by myself in a room. That's pretty sad. And I took it away and had one game with a mate, and I'm like, yeah, I could totally do this by myself. Actually, I'm yeah, gonna give it a crack. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. <laughs> I actually quite liked it. You have like you, you set the difficulty, and they do like a they have like a bunch of random actions that they do that sort of fulfill a certain plan based on the difficulty. And I'm sure I don't know, I have no idea what the replayability would be. I think eventually you'd get pretty sick of it playing it by yourself, but with a bunch of friends, it's it's awesome fun. And you have like a little hero that runs around. They have like an animal companion for no apparent reason so they've got like a russian themed one and a um a german themed one and uh, all these different nations that run around with their little little animal i like the uh the polish chick with her bear um, oh, it's
3: not a russian bear
1: no it's, she's she's polish so she, she she has a she has a bear for some reason and she cruises around and goes on adventures her like faction power is that she gets uh she gets to make extra choices in adventures so you have like your you have your board state, and you you try to win the game by collecting a number of stars. You get a star by by fully achieving something like building all the mechs available, or or doing all the upgrades available, or whatever. And there's a heap of different things you can do in order to earn a star. You get any six stars, and that ends the game. So basically, you can win through a fairly economic victory, or a very military-based one, or or whatever, it gives you a really broad scope of choices, and you'll you'll change what you're doing based on how you're going, and as you achieve these stars, you sort of gradually sort of upgrade your empire as you go.
4: I love a game that gives you multiple paths for victory, so you're not all just doing exactly the same thing.
1: There's shitloads of choices, (laughs) and there's not much, as much as there's mechs running around everywhere, mostly they're about mobility and stuff, there's not a lot of uh, fighting, and the fighting that does happen tends to be fairly brief. It's not a focus of the game like it's, it's important and it needs to happen but it's not like Risk or something where the whole thing is 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 fighting and it's not like Settlers where there's no fighting it's sort of a beautiful balance between the two.
3: That sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, a lot of fun but uh, in the games I've played the longest one I've had was about two hours um, and oh, okay. the shortest was about uh, actually I lie the longest was probably three hours the first time I sat down with a mate and we were trying to learn it out of the rule book um, because it is yeah. pretty it has got a lot of rules which take a while to get your head around but like any game, when you've got someone who can teach you verbally, like I, I taught everyone else who was playing in the other games, I found that um, it shot past a lot quicker, and uh, it was it was a lot easier to pick up because we weren't umming and ahring about the rules. Yeah, and a very aesthetically pleasing game. That's that's one thing I've got to say about it. For those guys yeah. who like their painted models and stuff, it's a tabletop gamer's board game. Thumbs oh. up for the scythe. So if you guys haven't checked that out yet, you should you should you should give it a crack.
4: Time for one more. Yeah, Please. let's do Could it. Have had- Joe's choice, we'll have, we'll have a choice each um, I think my, my favourite board game that I have ever played is a board game called Dead of Winter, have you, have you played Dead of Winter?
1: No I haven't but I've seen some mates play it actually um, on, when we, we do a uh, tournament once a year we, well, we've only done one so far. I say once a year. Let's assume the other one will actually happen. <laughs> but on that tournament night, uh, some of the boys busted out Dead of Winter and it looked, uh, looked like great fun. They were having a good old time. Admittedly, they'd been drinking for about seven hours at that point. But, uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, it did look like a fun game. Tell us about yeah, it.
4: Yeah, it's, um, it's a cooperative game where you each take a, a faction of survivors that have banded together. Uh, In a warehouse to try and survive the zombie apocalypse, Mm -hmm. Um, and you will have a goal. There's eight, eight or eight or ten different things you might do. So you might be trying to discover a cure for the zombie plague. So you need to go out and collect samples. You need to go out and kill a bunch of zombies. Uh, You might just be trying to survive uh, through the winter. So you might need to collect a certain amount of food. Or petrol to to heat up the place that you're living. The 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 fun thing I think about that dead of winter, because you're all trying to achieve this kind of overall goal, and each turn you have sort of a mini goal. So you might have a sudden appearance of raiders that want a tithe, or they're going to kill some people, or you might have your food might spoil, so you need to go and find some more very very quickly. Uh, so you've kind got, of got these mini things each turn. The, the fun thing about about it, though, is because it is it is cooperative. You do have your own little faction that can grow. But you all have, first of all, an individual agenda as well. So if everyone wins the game and completes the overall objective, you only win if you also achieve your own mini-objective that is secret from everyone else. Otherwise, you lose. So your faction might be trying to stockpile a completely different resource. Uh, to to everyone else or you might have a bunch of paranoid survivalists so that you need to collect a whole bunch of weaponry uh, so that your characters feel safe uh, come the end of the game which immediately leads you to be making these really awkward decisions where um, Joe wants to move one of his characters to the garage to go and look for something and in Dead of Winter if you move to different locations unless you spend petrol to drive there, uh, which is safe Uh, You have to walk, and you have to roll what I call the uh, the D12 of Doom, uh, which has a a chance of injuring your character. So they might get uh, attacked uh, by zombies and get a small injury fighting them off. They might get frostbite, which means not only are they injured, they then because it's in the middle of winter, they then carry on getting injured until they die unless you cure them. Or you can roll one in twelve chance, you get caught by zombies and you die instantly. Oh. One of your characters is straight out of the game. So no one ever gets to roll two. that dice. Yeah, you start with two. You can find more. If all of them die, you can bring in bring in a new one. Uh, so you don't get as no player elimination. But I might be trying to stockpile a whole bunch of petrol secretly. And Joe goes, oh, I want to go over to the garage so anyone got any petrol they can lend me. And I'm like, no, no, I haven't, Joe. I'm all out of petrol. You've been at the garage for three turns. What have you been finding? Other things.
5: Um... <laughs>
1: So you kind Um, of work together but simultaneously trying to screw each other over at the same
3: time, or you've got different agendas. It's working together but but selfishly.
4: Yes, so you've got your own agenda. Now, the other thing is that there is a chance, it doesn't happen in every game, there is a chance that one of you is the betrayer who will have a completely different set of victory conditions wherein they need to achieve something and then make the other players lose the
1: game. Cool.
4: So So, they're
1: like, what would they like a zombie in disguise or something? why would they want um
4: they might dislike the other people in the warehouse that they that everyone's living in. They might have fallen out. they might have a completely different idea about what people should be doing uh might one, just of be them a is, dick. one of them is, is your your group are secretly a cult of serial killers, right. so you're trying to encourage everyone else to die and wow. to, uh, either by not sharing resources so they get killed, or by literally killing their their characters if you get caught and maybe they find out you're the betrayer. There's all sorts of different sort of justifications for it. But what that means is when Joe turns around to me and says, can I have some petrol? And I say no, and he knows I've got some petrol because I've been at the garage for three turns. Am I saying that because it's my secret win condition? Or am I saying that because I'm the betrayer and if his character gets killed, everyone gets slightly more miserable and we get closer to losing the game?
1: Or are you so saying that's this uneasy tension jerk and try to freak him out? <laughs> yes <laughs> in real life. Yes. <laughs> that's possible too. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like that a lot.
4: Yeah. So there's there's all this layers to the interaction. It's kind of a bit like have you ever played anything like Resistance or Avalon where you're trying to look for those secret...
1: I have played uh, similar ones, hidden. not those particular ones, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those, the werewolf The hidden betrayer ones are always fantastic fun. I yes. Think. I find myself always <laughs> trying then, to like pretend to be the betrayer even when I'm not.
3: It's just sort of... <laughs> like, like, you're just inclined that way. <laughs> just to troll people. If you like that kind of thing, it's amazing. Oh, great.
5: Yeah.
4: Um, and the other thing it does as well, which you don't get a lot of in board games... Like, you, you were saying you had, like, um, the story of your, your characters. Um, your Joaquin Phoenix convict uh, gunslinger has built mm-hmm. up his own story. Mm-hmm. Um, in Dead of Winter, on uh, when, every player's turn. Uh, another player draws a card from a giant deck. There's loads of them that has um, a little story-based snippet on it and a choice. And if they do certain things, or if certain characters are in play, or uh, certain, there's there's lots of variety. But it might be, for instance, uh, I'll draw a card and go. Uh, if the current player has uh, Mike Cho, who is a guy with a samurai sword. Uh, read this the out. N- the ninja. The ninja who dies. He dies in every game.
3: Only when you send him to the garage. If you send the ninja to, to the garage. garage, he dies. That's
4: a pro tip for anyone playing uh, Dead <laughs> of Winter. Do not send your ninja to the garage. Um, it's probably a, di- a dishonourable location. I don't know.
3: Nope, or no, or um... <laughs> The garage is innately dishonourable. <laughs> yeah! They might, like, charge for fuel over here. Yeah, probably. Yes, yeah.
4: Uh, so he, um, You'll read it out and then the person playing gets a choice. Or it might be that anyone who's got a character back at the warehouse, the main base, they'll get to vote. And we've had some there's uh, some really, really cool sort of background story, um, driving bits of the game as well. And because that's randomised each game, you get a very different story each time you play it. So even if you play the same win conditions with similar characters you will get a different story every
3: time you play cuz they might be things like um if this character is in play it might be if this character sends somebody to the school then a yeah. whole little a little thing unfolds based on that action if yes. they travel without using fuel this turn and they don't know what triggers them so you sit there looking at the card going okay just yeah, kind just... of freaking them out by looking at them and waiting for them to do something. <laughs> well, I, I
1: tell you what, on that board game night we had after the tournament, um, that was probably the most popular one from all the different ones we played, um, with a possible exception of Henchman Hardcore, because we all just um, were, were going nuts playing that. But... Uh, uh, sorry, I should say Enforcer Brawl, not Henchman Hardcore. Enforcer Brawl is much more inclusive when you get seven or eight dudes sitting around a table and they're well and truly off their trolley. You should try that one day. But um, Cool. The, we'll we'll it's good fun. But uh, the, yeah, Dead of Winter was really super popular, but I wasn't really sold on it for one major reason, and that's because I'm not into the zombie thing. I'm so sick of yeah. it. I've got to be honest. It's not really, it doesn't really, I'm not one of those guys that just sort of is straight into the next zombie movie or the next zombie board game or zombie this Yeah, zombie no, I, I, I get that. But, um, I mean, if it's that fun and you make those kind of great choices and stuff, then I don't think the, set, the whole zombie setting would, would be too much of a problem.
3: I, I completely understand what you mean. I'm, I'm a little bit sick of the, oh my god, this is what everyone's obsessed with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the game is fantastic regardless. Exactly. Without going into it, as a similar thing, I would, I would make a shout out to New Angeles, the, the Netrunner board game that's just come out. One of them. Um, uh, yes, games, I listened yeah. to, yes, to, the... to you
1: guys talk about that. That sounded awesome. I was so sold on that. And I was thinking of um a few other ones that I've played that are sort of similar yeah. along those lines. Yeah, it sounds really New good.
3: Angeles, it has a very similar feel to Dead of Winter. It's it's partly cooperative, there might be a secret betrayer, but you're playing a corporation trying to make the city profitable even if you don't give a shit about the people in it. That
4: one's so, yeah, that... even more social and slightly less brutal.
3: Yes, I would say so.
4: Because Dead of Winter can be a very difficult game, but it's one of I those games we, where
3: when we lose,
4: we immediately go, I want to do that again.
1: Awesome.
3: I think our first five games of Dead of Winter ended us with, go- uh, with us going, fucking lost again. <laughs> yeah. Really?
1: You just end up all getting eaten by zombies at <laughs> oh, the oh, end or whatever?
3: We, we've, it has a hard mode that we've never played, and we've probably managed to succeed in about a quarter of the games of Dead of Winter we've played. Oh, wow.
4: I've won a hard mode game, Joe.
3: Fucking hell. As I wasn't the, there. As the
4: betrayer. <laughs> well, yes, um, which becomes so I, uh, I managed to uh, just the way the game works. I got the very last turn. We were about to win, and me and my two friends. We played once already, and I was the betrayer and beat them then uh, by being really horrible
5: to them. <laughs> we
4: got to the very last turn of the game, and my my mate who he'd never played it before. He was the one who said, "Let's try it on hard mode uh, for his second ever game." He wanted. I think he just got really excited playing it, uh, and we he he was like guys, we're going to win. And he held his hands up and we did like a three-way high-five, like some kind of cheesy, um, <laughs> kind of teenage, um, hooray, we've all learnt a lesson kind of film. And then he was like, you just need to go there and do that. And I went, yeah, so I'm going to go over here. And he went, what? Why? Why aren't you doing the thing? And I just looked at him. He went, you bastard! <laughs> and uh, actually had to leave the room. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was so annoyed with me having stabbed him in the back.
1: Uh, wow, it's brutal.
4: And I felt um, for about three seconds and I was like, I've just won in hard mode. This is the best day.
3: And and with these things there that something that just needs to be mentioned is one of the objectives is to build a super killer robot. I always I always apocalypse. get the super
4: killer robot if I'm not the betrayer.
1: No, that um, that sounds like just, a huge just of, an awesome idea. I like that there's not always a betrayer as well, because then like yes. you get those moments where you're toward the end and you just assume that there hasn't been one this game and that's why you've got yeah. away with it? Or Yeah, that's, that, that is yeah. good fun.
4: And there's ways of combating the betrayer so you can exile a group and kick them out. Um,
3: yeah, you can initiate a vote so everyone that's yeah. part of the colony votes on whether or not you exile somebody. Yeah. Oh, cool. But if
4: you do that too many times, it's another way to lose the game. But if you manage to exile the betrayer, then their betrayer card goes away. They get a completely new objective. And it might be that they tried to make it up to everyone and want you to win, and they have to completely change what they were doing.
3: Or just try and set everything on fire. I think is an option as well. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, you have to stock
4: up <laughs> a load of wood at different places and get a load of petrol <laughs> and then
3: <you> <laughs> Oh,
1: that sounds like shit loads of fun. So, so the card, games to play. It's fantastic for Malifaux enthusiasts if you want to branch away from the tabletop for a little while and have a different, board, you know, bust out a board game or a card game or something with your homies on uh, on a Wednesday night or a Friday night or whatever. We reckon Netrunner, um, Scythe, or uh, or Dead of Winter would be good choices. But yeah,
4: so Netrunner, Netrunner for your brain, Scythe for your tactile um, and aesthetic reasons, mm-hmm. and Dead of Winter for your social reasons. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, right.
3: th- I mean, they're all quite... Involved complex games on the scale, but tactical, if you're someone yeah, that way, enjoys yeah. Malifaux, that's probably not a problem.
1: Yeah, that's exactly no. what we're what we're going for there. So that's awesome. Yeah, really good. So before we uh, before we close off the cast today, what I wanted to do was I want the Jarians to battle, and you motherfuckers <laughs> have to uh, have to step up to the plate. So I don't have any of my usual uh, targets with um, Dave and Jezza and Nick not being available at the moment. But um, I figure next best thing is, uh, in fact, something even better, is I challenge you boys. So what do you think? Have cool. you got anything prepared? Yeah. Have you got a challenge perhaps uh, that you want to throw my way?
4: Uh, looking through what well, we've been discussing this, I know you're, um, you've are you just started role-playing, haven't you? Yes. But you haven't played through the breach.
1: No, no. So
4: could we challenge you to uh, to... Find yourself a gamer through the breach before we speak next.
1: That sounds like a, a good challenge, actually. I'd love to try that through the beach stuff. And do, do you guys, since you've played it briefly, and um, I imagine you will again at some point, has it got a game master and stuff in a very similar way? Does it have a similar format or whatever to Dungeons and Dragons and that kind of thing? Very yeah, much very so, similar.
4: yes. Yeah. Uh, it's class based, so you'll, you'll be, um, you might be a gunslinger, or a mechanic, or a, uh, a magic user. The same way you would, you'd have classes in D and D, and yeah, you've got your players and your DM, and your DM presents the uh, the story.
1: Fantastic, that sounds good, and it's a fairly accessible game, as far as uh, rules and that kind of thing. You just sort of you buy your rulebook from Weird, I imagine, and just get into it.
4: Yeah, it's fair. It's it's if you've not played a role playing game before, and you've not played Malifaux before. I wouldn't say <laughs> I wouldn't say start there if you've done either of those things then you'll be fine. Oh awesome.
1: All right. Well have done both. I have indeed. So yeah no I I actually love that. I like the Malfa setting and I've been thinking about um DMing for a long time so maybe I'll pick up a book and uh get stuck into it and yeah. maybe talk a few um talk a few fellows into it. Do you think it's the kind of thing yeah. you could do like a like a few session kind of maneuver rather than Setting yourself up for a full year of role playing or something. Yeah, do like, um, you know.
4: we'd, definitely. We'd have released a load of sort of one shot uh, single adventures that might take one or two sessions each. Great. Um, that you can get. I think they're like $3 on Drive Through RPG.
1: Oh, perfect.
4: Because uh, we've played a couple of those. And I think there's a quick start guide to the rules available somewhere as well. So you get, I don't think you need to invest a load of money.
1: Uh what's, what was the what would the rule book set you back? Have you you've probably got one, I um, imagine, bro?
4: Well yeah, I've got what I would say at the moment is they they've just said that they're going to release the second edition of the rules fairly soon. So you might be able to pick if you wanted to pick the first edition up, um you might be able to find it sort of fairly cheap on clearance now.
1: Cool. Fantastic. Alright, well uh, that sounds like a good challenge. I I reckon I could talk a few um to a, few, a few unfortunate souls into doing that. That that'll be great fun. Uh, but I've got a challenge for you boys as well. And I don't know whether you plan—you didn't plan one for Brian, did you, Joe? Because I've got one for both of you. If you, uh,
3: no, no, I, ha- I have a potential one for you. Um, for
1: you. Well, if you want to hit me again, Maybe. you're welcome to. But I've got a challenge cool. for for you two boys. Um, so I don't—I've got two challenges. You know, one for each of you. It doesn't matter who does which. That's fine. But. Uh, I've got the challenge, of course, for the podcast versus podcast on a battery. So you have to, um, one of you guys have to give me a game. It's going to be on Vassal because I'm not going to fly to London anytime soon. Although, actually, you might you might be able to hit up Dave for a game if you're lucky because you will be there in a few weeks. But uh, I, I'm not heading over anytime soon. So I, I gather neither of you boys know how to use Vassal. Is that true?
3: I've looked at it once for War Machine. Um, it doesn't look too bad. I, cool. I'd be happy playing a game or two on it.
1: Awesome. Well, I'd like to challenge one of you guys to a Vassal battle, um, which we, depending on how much fun we have with it, we may or may not record and um, chuck up on your YouTube channel or on some something that we do yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, um, sounds great. Have a bit of a you know Red Jokers versus Critical Twits you know, showdown. And then uh, the other challenge I've got for you is for one of you, you need to head down to a UK tournament, pop your little Malifaux tournament cherry. I don't care how well you do, but I want to hear about how <laughs> fun it was on, on a podcast one day.
4: Cool, sounds good. I think we should both go, Joe. i can't we'll both go to
1: a tournament. Yeah, hell yeah. And
3: we can. Plus I... It gives us that extra bit of competition, doesn't it? Yeah, plus I couldn't get there unless you took me. <laughs> um... No, no, I'm just going to come and watch people <laughs> from, from
1: the vat. I challenge Brian to hitchhike his way to the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> we can
4: do a memorial episode for me. You win months. if you don't die.
1: Yeah. <laughs> My very limited exposure to UK tournaments, which is entirely podcast-based, is that they seem a little bit more serious than the ones we have down here. But I'm sure that just depends on the... Depends on the person, like you know, like every tournament, yeah. at least the ones down here have, have got a gamma of different players, most of whom are very accepting, lovely people that just want to have a good time. It's less about just you know choking each other to death and more about having a <laughs> having a good battle. So I reckon you guys will enjoy it because I love Malifaux tournaments and I think it's sad that you guys have been playing for two years and have missed out. So that's your challenge. Should you choose to accept it?
5: Okay.
4: Oh, we will accept it. We'd be dishonoured.
1: Yes, you you can't you, you can't uh, you can't just give up your Uno like that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I suppose. I mean, my uh, my mind, would, my brain would say we should we should get Joe to play here. But you are on a losing streak, Joe. Uh... <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, that might change this afternoon. So, uh, <laughs> if it doesn't, yeah. then I'm Fingers I'm quitting crossed. Malifaux. That's it. Uh... Done. <laughs> As as a as a final thing, then, um, as we've mentioned it, and it would be quite good, and could again potentially lead to some kind of fancy crossover shenanigans.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, before we meet again, because apparently this seems to be something that's going to happen again, which I'm, I, I'd, I'd love, would be that you need to uh, dip your toe into the world of Netrunner. Oh, Netrunner, it's Run not going to cost Challenge. you anything.
1: Cool. Yeah.
3: yeah, even if it is just to try the game and see what you think. And the rules are free as well
4: fantasy flight are very good at putting their rule books as pdfs on their website yep yeah, so the rules are free yeah. and you can play online on net.
3: so we can quite happily um if need i'm quite happy to sit and talk you through a game um whether it's against me and talk you through what's happening or what would probably be easier is if we can have you playing someone else possibly a different member of the podcast mm-hmm. we we'll get aaron to participate while one of us talks you through the game we'll just use a couple of core decks and you know start at the beginning yeah it's a nice way of introducing it to you some introducing you to something that you might might enjoy
1: oh no this is fantastic i love it look, look, i'm just i'm looking at the rule book now we're cross-pollinating it's a beautiful thing this is fantastic now i'm um, all over it netrunner. Can,
3: if, if you enjoy it we can have you come talk to us on a on a netrunner podcast
1: yeah, cool. That sounds fun. I'm I'll definitely. Be, I love my card game, so I'd be keen to give that a try. So we've got a double, double podcast battle happening. Gee, it's just, it's all happening. Yes. I, I, I need it you. Is. I need you guys to be aware though that I can't put any of my honor on the line when it comes to Netrunner because obviously I don't have the skills yet to. Uh...
4: Yeah, well, that, that's perfectly would be acceptable. if you didn't try. That's
3: right. Yes. <laughs> oh, me, hopefully, my luck that. transfers onto Vassal and it'll be all right. <laughs> all
1: right. Perfect. Just draw nothing but 13s. I won't be suspicious for that at all on my first ever Vassal <laughs> game. <again. laughs> <laughs> all righty. Well, um, it's been great chatting with you, boys. Thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to come on and um, chat on my podcast and also, uh, you know, just do a bit of a collab thing and have a good time.
4: Yeah, thank you very much for, for suggesting it, because I think we're going to steal this and put this up on our, our page as well, aren't we? So, yeah. uh, if people, if obviously, um, you, you've now, if you're a critical Twits lis- listener, uh, you're now a red, a red jokers listener, you, you have to be both. Where would they That's go right. to find you to listen more? We'll pop some links down, but.
1: We have a Facebook page and all that kind of thing, as anyone does these days. We also, which I don't administer at all, so I can't even direct you to where it is, but if you look up Red Jokers, you'll find us. (laughs) Red Jokers Malifaux. Um, We're we're, we're strictly speaking called uh, the Red Jokers A Faux Show, spelt F-A-U-X-S-H-A-U-X, although just if you Google Red Jokers or or whack it in your... your search engine of any of whatever you listen to podcasts on, you should be able to find us because we're just up on SoundCloud and um, plenty of people find us there. Cool. And the critical twits, I suppose, the same as the other way around, as you can probably gather from these lads. Uh, you guys have, what, four regular hosts, is that correct, similar to us?
4: Yeah, rotating four cast, there's, there's four of us. Oh, and so maybe possibly a back up one. to five now, yeah. So, yeah, so it's a revolving cast um, of us which is part of the reason why we're able to do a podcast every single week and why we're able to do sort of videos and things alongside because we can kind of spread the load about a bit.
1: Yep. Well, if you, if you like listening to quite professionally tightly edited good banter, no breaks, no tomfoolery kind of kind of shows, then you're probably not listening to the Red Jokers right now. <laughs> but if you were, then um, then you should go check out the Critical Twits. These guys release an episode every week, and they, they do a, a wide range of different topics uh, about all things gaming. You guys used to do video games, didn't you? But it seems like it's mainly tabletop these days. Is that correct?
4: We're more into that talking about and bigging up that kind of that face-to-face social side of games whereas video games don't really tick that yeah
1: in the same way well if you like you do not
3: think having a 11 year old shouting at you on the internet's social
1: (laughs) (laughs) you guys been playing call of duty or something
3: (laughs) (laughs) not for a while now
1: (laughs) no it's not as much my scene these days either i like i like things turn-based i like things visceral but uh if if you know yeah. if if you like a a few a few game reviews and learning about um, different games, broadening your horizon away from Malofo a bit, and still enjoying a bit of banter, then the Critical Twits is the place to go. You, you guys are found in a similar manner to, to us, are you? Or any other tips? Yeah, for you
4: that? Can, you can find us on YouTube, where we'll find the, the podcast and the video content. You can find the podcasts themselves um, also on SoundCloud. Uh, and we do have a website, uh, criticaltwits.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. We're
1: kind of all over the place. Yeah, right on. You've got the, quite that media presence. I like that. Happy days. Okay, well, it's been great chatting, boys, and I'll um, I'll hopefully see you again sometime. That's
4: great. We will have to check in and see how these uh, how these challenges have gone. Well, absolutely. We've got some
1: much on the battery in our near future, I have no <laughs> doubt. One love. See you guys later.
3: Thanks very
0: much. Awesome. Thanks very much. Bye. That's all for now, but we hope to return soon. In the meantime, you may contact us by email at redjokersmalifo, all one word, at gmail.com, or on our Facebook page, Red Jokers A Faux Show. In order to prevent the premature cancellation that has happened to so many of our favourite podcasts, please leave a review wherever you get your Red Jokers. Bad podcasts happen...